This episode is brought to you by Chalk Cartel. My guest today is actually a Chalk Cartel athlete, which is pretty cool. I've been using this chalk for about a year now, and it is my favorite chalk that I have ever used. If you need to refill your chalk bag, head over to chalkcartel.com and buy yourself a kilo of the stickiest white powder on the market. And if you want to save big, they even sell this stuff in a five-gallon bucket that's perfect for gym owners, root setters, or for those of you who built a wall in your house during COVID, or if you have a moon board or a grasshopper board in your garage. Or if you're a broke college student, here's an idea. You can use some of those student loans to throw down for a five-gallon bucket of chalk Go buy some Ziploc bags from the grocery store and voila, you'll be the most popular kid in your dorm, slinging bags of chalk to all your friends and making a profit so you can finally buy some climbing shoes that actually fit. If that sounds good to you, head over to chalkcartel.com. Use code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off your next order and get ready to join the cartel. Chalk Cartel. Great chalk, no bullshit. This episode is also brought to you by Fizzy Vantage. Fizzy Vantage is the leading brand in climbing nutrition with more than 40 professional climbers now using Fizzy Vantage products daily to support their training and climbing. My guest today is also a Fizzy Vantage athlete. How about that? Visit fizzyvantage.com to learn more about their many innovative research-based nutrition products and supplements, including their revolutionary supercharged collagen, That's my personal favorite. I usually take either one or two scoops per day before my finger training. The Performance Boosting Endurex, that's awesome if you like pumpy sport roots or trad roots, and their delicious protein supplements, Weapons Grade Whey. I love the chocolate flavor. And they have a plant-based protein called Powerplex for you plant-based athletes listening to this. If you would like to feel the Fizzy Vantage yourself, head over to fizzyvantage.com and use code NUGGET15 at checkout to save 15% off any full-priced nutrition product. That's NUGGET15 at checkout, and you can find a direct link to this coupon right there in your podcast app. And finally, this episode is brought to you by Crimped. This might be the best tool in the app store when it comes to training for rock climbing. Right now, I've been feeling really motivated to work on my hip flexibility after leaving Waco because there's a project I really want to climb next year and I need to be slightly more open in my hips to reach a faraway foothold. And I can almost do it. I know I can do it if I put in a little work over the next year. Unfortunately, I hate stretching, but the great news is Crimped makes it easy. I just jump into the app, pull up their hip and leg flexibility workout. There are videos that show me exactly what to do. There's a built-in timer that tells me how long to hold each stretch, and I don't even have to think about it. I love that. If you are a self-coached climber and want proven workouts to improve your bouldering or finger strength or endurance, flexibility, you name it, Crimped has you covered. So check it out. Crimped is spelled C-R-I-M-P-D. That's the word crimp with a D at the end. And you can find it on iOS and Android, or you can use their web-based version at crimped.com. And it's totally free to try. Check it out. That's crimped.com or download the Crimped app. Check out Crimped. Training on your own has never been easier. 
Hello, friends. Welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Dimmitt. And my guest today is Favia Dubik. Favia is definitely one of the more interesting people I have ever met. I got to hang out with her for a couple of days in Waco Tanks and climb with her a bit. Favia is a doctor. She studied at Harvard for her undergrad, went to Columbia for her master's, and got an MD from Case Western. She is a pathologist, and she explains what that is and what she does for her work in this interview. Favia is also a cancer survivor. She's 34 years old and was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma at age 24 and had to undergo chemotherapy and was able to beat cancer. But as you'll hear from this interview, chemotherapy is absolutely brutal and leaves some long-lasting effects on the host. As she says in this interview, chemo is designed to keep you alive, not to make you a better athlete. So yeah, she deals with some pretty interesting long-term effects from chemotherapy. Favia also has a connective tissue disorder called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, and she describes that her collagen doesn't form properly, which makes her joints less stable and her connective tissue less stable. And what's interesting to me about Favia is that she's really formed her entire style of climbing around some pretty massive limitations that she has from these things. She identifies as a low ball roof boulderer because that's what she can do. And she's really fallen in love with it and made that what she does. And she's gotten really, really good at it. So that was all very interesting to learn. I had a lot of notes going into this conversation and I really didn't know what to expect or where it would go. And honestly, we didn't talk about a lot of the things that I had on my list. We just let the conversation roll. We really got into what it was like to go through cancer and chemotherapy. We also talked about weighted pull-ups. Favia is one of the strongest people on the planet when it comes to how much weight she can do pull-ups with relative to her body weight. And because of that, she's always been able to do really hard moves very statically and has totally neglected dynamic movement. And so for the last two years, she's actually been trying to learn how to dyno and kind of going back to the basics. So yeah, I thought that was really interesting and lots more. I really enjoyed this conversation. We just kind of kept rolling, talked about a lot of different things, and I really hope you guys enjoy this one. Thanks for tuning in today. And without further ado, here is Dr. Favia Dubik. Sweet, we're recording. <clears throat> uh, any okay. questions for me before we start? How far should the microphone be from my mouth? I like a hands width and you can kind of like hold it down. You are asking a lot. <laughs> you look so formal <laughs> sitting back holding the microphone with two hands it doesn't have to be perfect it, it's pretty forgiving don't, don't get stressed out one. you have to lock off I have to lock off dude you're so strong that's ridiculous <laughs> you can't hold the microphone no, look because, at your biceps right now because I am most comfortable in a lock off position <laughs> just think of this podcast episode as training <laughs> How are you feeling after today? Is this part of the podcast? Sure. Yeah. Oh. We can jump into it. I am tired. I can't hold a microphone. <laughs> You're climbing tomorrow too? I am climbing and <clears throat> it's going to go better. Okay. I seem to climb better on day two oh, at Waco than day one. Okay. So. 
Nice. I should have gotten rat martini tomorrow instead of today. Mm. But I got too excited. What are you planning to try tomorrow then? Maybe some Big Nose Millie and Theater of the Absurd. Or okay. that V12 that starts at Theater. That goes like... Oh, yeah. What is the name of that something, thing? Something, something, filet, Something, filet. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to look that one up and put it in the show notes. I don't remember the name of that thing, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, how did today go for you from your perspective? Because we got to climb together all day. Yeah. And we had fun in the Martini Cave. But yeah, how did you feel about your climbing day today? How'd it go? The climbing day was great because fun is the most important part. It would have been nice to hit the big move that I've been working on for a few sessions. I didn't, but it's getting closer. Yeah. And it was frustrating to forget my beta for the beginning, but I was happy to remember it at the end after trying it for a couple hours. And you have it on video now. I have it on video, so I won't yeah. have to relearn it. <laughs> that's something that's that's a really useful tactic. And it's something that someone like you who doesn't live here and, and is making these like weekend trips every few weeks to Waco. Yeah, that's a valuable tool. I'm using that more and more when I because I'm on the road and I keep coming back to the same areas. Because Waco's the best. Because Waco's the best. Yeah. But you for, it's easy to forget a lot of the minutiae, you know, like you might remember the the main yeah, that was left the hand, right hand, right foot, whatever. But it's the subtlety stuff. I remember the hand holds, but I forgot I had to flip a hand. Okay, and that flip of the hand changed everything. Once I flipped the hand, I could do it. But nice. Before I was, I was like, "Why is this so hard?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wasn't this hard before? <laughs> yeah. One thing I do like this is like when I'm leaving the area and I'm I'm not going to try the climb again for the season. Um, I started taking video memos, like I'll film the holds. And like talk out loud to my camera and describe like and put my hand on them and describe like this is exactly how you want to grab this hold. And that's been really helpful. You know, I've tried that for right martini in particular. Yeah. But every time it hasn't worked because either I pointed to the wrong hold. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah. And my video memo was wrong. <laughs> or yeah. it worked for that day because I'm constantly injured i usually have to like climb things in a weird way yeah and with as my injuries change whatever was injured before isn't injured anymore and so then that beta isn't the most efficient beta yeah so i've been struggling with every video beta has either been just like the wrong foothold <laughs> or has changed and no longer is the best thing yeah but yes i agree that does work for <laughs> most people right the strategy is good if you film the correct holds and actually tell yourself the right beta. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't, then all bets are off. Yeah. I think if it's an area where you have that beta wired, kind of, like, because I think for right martini, for the crux area, I have been trying to figure out the most efficient way. Mm -hmm. And I, what I think is the most efficient way one day isn't most efficient the next day. That's a Waco thing, isn't it? The, like is the, it? I don't know. I think so. Is it just climbing? You, maybe it's just climbing, but you come back to these cave routes in Waco and it's like the crux has moved or something. Yes. You're like, I, yes. I found the way to do this and now it's not working. And Yep. Yeah. Yes. That's a unique problem that I don't run into other places that I run into. I've run into that many times here, especially this season. Yeah. I think as a roof climber, I don't know, that happens to me all the time. Yeah. A roof climber who can't dino. <laughs> <laughs> you've already said you, you just keep getting more interesting the longer I hang out with you, Fabia. And you've already said a couple things in this conversation that um, 
would have made me at a first impression go like, what? Like, what's going on here? Like, you're you're constantly injured. You said that, you know? Correct. And then you can't die. I know things along these lines. Um, I learned the other day that sometimes you climb with your eyes closed. There's, you know, there's like a number of uh, things that qualify as like low-hanging fruit to me. You know, it's like, just figure out a way to stop getting injured. But as I, I've learned more about you, there's there's deeper reasons behind all these things. And you have like a pretty challenging path as a climber because of what you've been through and um, this nerve disorder um, that you were born with. Is that is that right? Connective tissue disorder. Connective tissue. But I do have disorder. the herniated disc. Okay. That makes my nerves not work. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing works. Nothing works. <laughs> yeah, but you're a climber and you've like found an amazing way to get around all of these things by just doubling and tripling down on what you can do. And you're so specialized. I, I would love actually to just, can you describe to me, like, how would you identify as a climber if you're introducing yourself? A low ball roof boulderer. That's so specific. That's all I love. I, I love it. Which came first? Is that what you love because that's what you can do? Because there are there are reasons for that being such a good fit, and we can get into all that. But which came first? Is it out of necessity that you've learned to love it, or did you always love that style? That's a good question. I have amnesia. <laughs> I don't remember. Okay. I honestly cannot remember why, like, what my feelings towards different types of boulders were too much before cancer. But... I have some memories, and I remembered that I was really into this one problem called helicopter, and it was a low ball roof, and I loved it. Where was this? In Cooper's, Cooper's Rock in West Virginia. Okay. And so I know I was, I had fallen in love with that, but I don't know the timeline very well if that was before or after I took a big fall at a climbing, well, not really a fall, but I just like let go. I was climbing at this gym in Germany, and they had this awesome roof, and I got to the top the finish hold, and I remember like asking my friend, like, how do I get down? And then she said, drop. And I dropped, and then I couldn't walk because my hip had dislocated. Oh, uh, because of the connective tissue disorder. Exactly. Got it. I don't know the timeline, but I know after that, I was like, no more falls. Wow. <laughs> wow. What is the disorder? Can you tell me more about that? Um, it's Ehlers-Danlos. I have the hypermobility part. So there's various, I guess, grades, and there's really severe ones, and pretty much your collagen that you make is defective. So when I, I take collagen, and when I take it, I'm making more defective collagen. Damn. Um, I don't know if it's true, but I just kind of feel like if I just have more defective collagen, it's probably better than having less defective collagen, so I take more you just, collagen. You just take more, <laughs> and then hopefully... More of it's good and probably more of it's bad too, but like... Yeah, I, well, I think it's all going to be bad because like I have a, like my genes messed up. So like he doesn't know how to make it right. Okay. Um, But for me, it's just, it's not my vessels. So if you have the more extreme version, like it's your vessels, your GI tract, like all these things that have collagen in it just burst. Jesus. And it's like, you can just die from it. It's horrible. But mine... So far, as we know, like I don't have that vessel problem or GI problem. It's just in my tendons and ligaments. So I tear just so easily mm. and I can't keep my joints in the sockets. They just come out. They dislocate easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When did you find this out? Was this from birth? Well, I know I found this out as a physician. 
Oh, I, no way. I knew I had a problem. Okay. But no one had given me a diagnosis or even mentioned anything about it um, until I was in residency and I was talking to a friend and I was getting shots called prolotherapy. And I was getting shots in my back for it because it, it tightens up your ligament so you don't dislocate. And he's like, why are you doing that? And I explained to him and he's like, have you taken like this test? There's like a criteria. And we did it right there, like at our desk. And he was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Can you describe the test? What kind of things would you do? Um, so actually, I think some doctors had done some of the tests on me before, but they never like verbalized what it meant. So one is like, you can take my thumb and you can pull it all the way back to my forearms. Okay. Um, and even if, I mean, like my form is a little bigger now, so it's easier, but even before I was a climber, you could just keep bending it back. <laughs> and like, I remember when the doctor did it, I was like, why are you bending my finger that way? Like, why is it still moving? Why doesn't this hurt? Like, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so that, that's one of them. Like just being able to like touch the floor with your hands flat is another, um, there's like a skin test to see how far you can pull it. Uh, those are the ones off the top of my head that I can think of. But there's like a scale, and if you like score like four out of five, you have it, or okay. you likely have it. So I went to get genetic testing because there's genes that we know, but the genetic testers told me that for the hypermobility part, we don't really know the genes that cause it. So they're, they're testing me for the more severe ones, which we already know I don't have. So it came up, those tests came up negative because we don't know what the hypermobility one is caused by. Okay. So that's, that's my other Danlos. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what did you run into as a kid? You said that you suspected something was wrong as a physician, but like what were some of the injuries or, I don't know, challenges or things as a kid along the way that, well, that made it, you suspect something? It manifested in middle school. And I think it might because of like puberty and things changing and growing. I was walking to Mr. Smoot's eighth grade science class and I collapsed. Like I just couldn't walk. Whoa. And then my friends had to like drag me to my chair. And uh, that was like my first time. Like, oh, what's wrong? Why can't I walk? And um, we went to doctors and some people were like, well, maybe you just need like a hip replacement. But, you know, I'm in middle school. That's not <laughs> a great option. My mom took me to a chiropractor who just put it back in place. And that was a great solution. And I did, I went to see a chiropractor about two to three times a week from that point on until I finished my running career um, in college. So for like about eight years, three times a week, put it back in. Wow. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that, is there... That's why I don't run. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just sitting here thinking, like, despite that, you ran Division One track at Harvard. Correct. Which isn't like, how did you do that? That's pain's like, temporary. Okay. And that's the main thing. Like, yeah, pain's temporary, but like, success is forever. Okay. Of. So like, like if you can get through that training and win your race, like, so what? You had some pain. Mm. Totally worth it. That is badass, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you pick some gnarly sports, like, given that condition, well, like, you... especially climbing. I mean, are you, you said constant, you, yeah, you just said that you're constantly in, injured all the time. Is that what you're talking about? Is it related to this thing? I mean, that's part of it. I, but another kicker, which I don't think I've spoken about too much before, is that I actually have an allergy. It's called physical uticaria. So I'm allergic to physical things. 
including running. Wait. So I'm You're allergic like allergic to hot, to... cold, friction, vibration. Okay. Um, and so running has like oh, and pressure. So like the the vibration of like hitting the ground and the pressure. You're if it's hot or cold, I just break out in like full body hives. Whoa. But I found a medicine now that helps me keep it in control. But I found that also in as a physician, so I did not have that then. I have stretch marks from the highs I got from from icing. <laughs> from icing as a runner. Yeah. So wow. we had we had like an ice bath. Well, I went to ice bath one time because <laughs> we know you have your, your trainer and everyone. Yeah. They're like, we get, get in the ice bath because I was like a freshman in high school. We didn't have that. Got in. And I was like, I'm really, this is awful. Like I got, I was not even in there for like a minute. And then I came out and my legs were just swollen. My knees were swollen. And now I have stretch marks. Wow. Those eyes. Man, I, this, I'm just I'm just remembering um, this story. There was uh, my family has this like ski cabin, or we had partial ownership in a ski cabin that my grandparents built um, at Crystal Mountain in Washington. And so every winter it was like a big thing. We would go on a ski vacation or multiple ski weekends and things. And I don't know who this guy was. I think he was one of my sister's friends, maybe. But this guy came with us one time. And he was a really good snowboarder and he loved to build jumps and session them, you know, just like hike mm. up the hill and then hit the jump. But he had, it was like cold and exercise yeah. induced asthma. Oh yeah, I got that. Yeah. And, and he's like picked the one sport where he's constantly <laughs> exposed to those two things. And, just, and it just makes me yeah. think of you, like yeah. you're doing the same thing yeah. with the running. Is climbing a good fit given this connective tissue disorder or a bad fit and you're just making do or somewhere in between? Um, It's a better fit than running. Okay. It's a way better fit because running, you have to hit the ground. Right. Like every step you're hitting the ground and that is just going to hurt like every step. I, I really can't imagine like every step not hurting it. That's why I try to limit how much I walk. Like I don't go from one side of the boat to the other because like every step I take pretty much it hurts my back. And Whoa. so I just, my whole life is kind of around like trying to walk and move as little as possible using my legs. Like I just like dream about campusing upstairs. Like if I could just. <laughs> is, that the, is that your secret? Is that why you're so jacked? You have a campus board like to go up the stairs or something? I just want to climb to go up and climb. You should have like a backer ladder that, at the top of your stairs. I should. That'd be sick. Um, climbing itself actually is great for my back because it puts less pressure on it. So when I'm actually on the wall, mm -hmm. even when I'm on the ground, my back hurts. It doesn't hurt when I'm climbing because I'm not putting all that much weight on my yeah, legs. Yeah, like in traction yeah, to so some degree. It, so climbing actually feels great on my back. But that's why I just can't take falls. Mm -hmm. So as a low ball roof climber, I can take falls on my back no problem. Like I just can't land on my feet. Mm -hmm. So that's... So climbing is a great fit. As a low ball roof boulder. As a low ball roof boulder. I, I just, I love that, man. I love that you are so unapologetic about that. You just know what you like and you just own that. Because that's always been hard for me and I don't know why. Like I, I'm very influenced by, I don't even know what it is. I have this sense that like I need to be able to do it all well I almost feel guilty when I talk about like having a favorite style of climbing because I feel like I should be well-rounded and be able to do it well. But I, I always admire people that are like, nope, 
this is what I like and this is what I want to do. And then they do it well, you know, because of course, if you focus on something, you get better at it. Um, yeah, I think it's cool. I've been ridiculed a lot for. I think. Have you? Yeah, that's uh, that's probably why you feel the pressure because that's kind of what our climbing community suggests you should do. Mm. And then when you don't do it, it's not the easiest path. Like you will get comments that are kind of mean. Mm. Damn. But I mean, but I don't care. I love rope, like low ball roofs. So yeah, I'm gonna do that. Yeah. What do you think about if someone criticizes you? What helps you push through that? How do you not let that affect you or brush it off or whatever? Uh, well, I guess, I mean, it doesn't bother me at all, really. Like, it just, like, bounces off. Like, I don't, it doesn't even affect me yeah. whatsoever at this point in my life. Uh, I think if I, like, when I was younger, I've always been strange. I've always been just been different than everyone around me. And yes. I used to have a New Year's resolution. Like, I just wanted to be more normal. Like, just let me be normal. <laughs> no. And then, like, every year by, like, January 3rd, I'd be like, well, <laughs> oh, that one's gone. I'll try to be normal next year. And I, I can't remember, but sometime in high school, I finally just, like, gave up. I was just like, you know what? I'm not normal. I like different things. I'm weird, and that's fine. Mm. And so since then, it doesn't bother me if people say, like, well, that's weird, that's strange, or like you should be more well-rounded or anything like that because I've accepted that I'm, in my household, we, we say I'm alien. <laughs> like I'm You're alien? alien. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I'm just so different. Yeah. From, like, from, you and your husband. Yeah. Like, okay. From and your cats. From like most human species. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't bother me when people say that because, I don't know, I've accepted that like yeah. I'm me. That's great. Um, I think it's really interesting. I actually, this is something that my sister helped me realize recently. I guess I'll tell the story. Um, but I think the kids that were the misfits when they're younger are the ones that tend to be the most interesting people as adults, you know? And I think we all, I can relate to that to some extent too. I think we all feel kind of other. Um, but as a kid, yeah, you're trying to hide your the things that make you unique, you know? Yeah. But then when you, you reach a certain age, those are the things that like allow you to thrive and whatever it is that makes you stand out. And I was, um, yeah, I was back in Washington this fall and I was, I think it was last summer, I was watching a, I got really into watching dance videos on Instagram. I get really like psyched. Like dance moms? Like, <laughs> did, like professional dance groups. Oh. Like this is what they do, doing their performances and stuff, you know? Yeah. And there's this group called Brotherhood that I'm just like, I had become obsessed with at the time. It's like 12 dudes. I think most of them are like these Filipino guys and they just are so good. You know, their choreography is amazing. They're like so in time with one another. And I was showing, I was just super into it. And uh, I was showing my sister one of these videos and she made that comment. She's like, just imagine these kids as, as imagine these guys as kids. Like they were probably all the weird ones that didn't, fit in. They hadn't found one another yet. They didn't have this brotherhood. And now they're like so interesting and they're crushing it at life, you know? And and the opposite is true as well. Like the people that kind of were the, the popular kids are like kind of, uh, I don't know how to say this, but the, the kids that did normal well and did all the stereotypical things well, not very many of them are interesting anymore, are they? You know? 
I wouldn't know. I, I, yeah. <laughs> You know, but like I was shunned from those. I, I think, yeah, I think I think it's more likely, more common that those people peak early and just kind of, you know, fall off and and um, fail to find like their unique thing that makes them special and sets them apart. So I can see that. Yeah. Hopefully, anyway. they find it. Yeah, hopefully, huh? Yeah. I'm just thinking out loud. Hopefully, they haven't um, peaked. What made you <laughs> weird as a young. kid? We're still young. What were the What were the things that you loved to do as a kid that that other people thought were weird? You know, weird? you should. That's a hard question because I think it's all normal. Okay. Like, well, but think, you you had some self awareness. Like you had you had that New Year's resolution every yeah, year. Yeah, but why? I guess what did I do that was so weird? Like, what's what's weird about me? <laughs> You should interview my husband. Okay. <laughs> what is weird about Fabia? That little image of like little kid Fabia is like so cute, but kind of sad too. That every new every New Year's, <laughs> I, know, you're like, I just want to be normal. I'm, I'm trying to remember like what would be normal. I mean, I was really obsessed with Christopher Pike books in middle school. Okay. I know I got ridiculed for that, and then in high school I got into the Disney Channel, which I know like it's like I was supposed to reverse it. Okay. I'm yeah. like, oh yes, I love the Disney Channel movies, but like, you're 16 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I really don't remember exactly what made me feel like I was so different, except for maybe just being excluded a lot. Hmm. Which I was like, oh, well, maybe if I could fit in, because there's you know always the cool kids. Yeah. Um, but then once I got to high school, I I really stopped caring about the cool kids. And I don't know if you've seen Mean Girls. Yeah. So I had two best friends, Stephanie and Laurel. And so there was the three of us. And we weren't like the Mean Girls. Like, we weren't like, you can't sit with us or anything. But we were kind of our own clique. And I thought we were just the coolest things to ever exist. <laughs> Let me tell you, we weren't. <laughs> but when you think you're the coolest and like so it doesn't affect your self-esteem so much mm. um because i was like well i don't really want to be like anyone like i like our click yeah you found your people I, I, like i found my people so but i don't remember exactly what like what happened in elementary school and middle school that made me feel so different what did you like to do with them what kinds of things would you guys do? Together? Oh my goodness. So we had a laminator and we a would, laminator. A laminator. Okay. We love the laminate stuff. And so we would make uh, you're gonna be like, okay, fuck. Yeah. Why can't were you think weird? of what it was that was weird? I <laughs> We would laminate Nothing's coming to mind. <laughs> All right, we make clubs. And so like um we had like a foreign film club that we started. Okay. And you would have to like you pick a country. And pick a film and then cook food in that, like from that country. And we had like, a, we had little like club cards. Did people, were people in this club? I mean, there was the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I think we had like a I Love Johnny Depp club. Um, so you're just making like laminating posters and. Oh, but cards. Cards. Yeah. Okay. Like to invite people that no. you would hand out? Okay. No. No. Okay, a card that's like I'm, I'm a, in this club. Like, I'm yeah, like a, a membership member. card. Membership yeah. Cards. Okay. We played cool. a lot of croquet. Okay. We loved croquet and board games. That was like most of my high school. How many foreign foreign films did you watch in this foreign film? Club? How long did we last? You're asking a lot of questions from high school. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. This is like 
20 some years ago. Do you have a favorite foreign film now? Ooh, now? Yeah. That's a good question. Because I've been just watching Mission Impossible for the past week. For um, the past week? Yeah. Okay. Just going through the whole series. The whole series. Nice. Yeah. I just finished Mission Impossible 5 last night. And my 6 is tonight. And my 7 is 2023. And my 8 is 2024. They're already planned out. <laughs> um, but I did have some favorite films. But is I have a poor memory. And the chemo with the amnesia did not help. So is that a thing? Yeah, it's called chemo brain. Chemo I mean, brain. that's not the technical term for it. Right. But like, that's what's what it is. And it's, I mean, I didn't lose this high school time, so I can't really blame that for my poor memory. But I did lose about a year before I got sick. And then I lost at least the, the time I was sick and then time afterwards. No so way. I don't remember, like, my husband's like, do you remember this date we went on? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> That's fascinating. I don't remember. Is the whole thing just a blank or are there like little there's spots? Little, there's like little, little spots. Okay. So there's like some pictures of things. Okay. So I can remember like the pictures. Um and like and he's filled me in on things. Uh but I do remember I was I was like done with chemo and I was feeling a lot better. So it must have been like maybe a year. And I was went to the movies with a friend on a like maybe like a Thursday or something. And she's like so what did you do yesterday? And what she meant was like, so what did you do yesterday after we had, like, after I left you? Mm. It's just like, and I was like, ah, well, what, what did I do yesterday? I don't remember. <laughs> She's like, we hung out. I was like, oh, we did. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I did that yesterday, but I can't tell you what I did afterwards. It's clearly. <laughs> wow. But so now I can remember. I that. So I have. Like at that point in time, it was very like short term. Like I just, the previous day was hard. But now that time is just kind of just blurry and I've written stuff down and we have pictures and Brian and my mom. So like I've, I've put things together, but there's a lot of like daily stuff that is just, like I watched Battlestar Galactica like two or three times during, during chemo because I couldn't remember Oh, that's great. <laughs> that actually was wonderful because I had remembered <laughs> it's that so I loved exciting it, every time. but I couldn't remember the plot. And every time I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> You're a cheap day. Brian's like, hey, <clears throat> I have this new great movie you're going to love. You're going to love it. <laughs> um, how old were you when you found out you had cancer and where were you in your life? I think I was, I was either 23 or 24. Four. Wait, how old am I now? Thirty-four. Oh, so I was twenty-four. I was twenty-four. Twenty-three. Twenty-four. <laughs> this is like, a, like this is awful. It's perfect. <laughs> I was in my mid-twenties. Wait, where were? Yeah, where, what was going on in your life at the time? I was uh, finishing off my second year of med school at Case Western in Cleveland. Okay. Starting third year, um, when went, I got the diagnosis. You went to Harvard for pre-med. I went, for, I went to Hart for undergrad, Columbia for my master's, and then I went to Case Western for my MD. Damn. That's awesome. Yep. It's a power, that's a power lineup right there. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> and what were you, were you still running at the time? No. Okay. Once I finished college, I stopped running. I just hung up my spikes and I was done. Mm. I mean, because... Uh, of the hip problem and the allergy problem, like the the hives, mm -hmm. 
because I didn't know how to control it. Now I know how to control it, but I didn't know how to control it then. And I got so tired of just breaking out in hives every time I yeah. ran. And I suffered through that for eight years. That's insane. So I was That's crazy. Done. Um, but I had just started climbing. Okay. I had okay. I had discovered climbing. Did climbing take this that space, fill that void, or, or yeah, yeah, yeah? I had to take. Did you miss track when you left track, or were you just no. okay? You're I over actually it. never liked track. Okay. I never liked running. I was just good at it. Gotcha. I liked and I loved being on a team. I loved it. Um, so that was why I was, I was, I did it for so long. Mm. But once I was done, I was like, no, I didn't miss, did not miss running whatsoever. I miss being on a team. And that's why I liked the climbing gym because, and when I was in Cleveland, we had our core group of climbers and we did everything together. Went out to eat during the week together. We had parties on the weekend. We went climbing together. Like we had, it was like a team. So I really, really enjoyed it. And so it, it filled mm. that hole. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Is there anything that you've been able to bring with you from your time as a track athlete, a Division One track athlete at Harvard, um, into your climbing? Absolutely. So in college, particularly when you're doing like Division One sport, your time isn't your own. It is made up for you. Like your schedule is made by your coach. Mm. And you have to, at least, like, you have to fit your classes. Like your entire schedule. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, they dictate, I mean, your meet schedule. So, like, on the weekends, during in-season for indoor and outdoor track, I spent more weekends not at Harvard, but at traveling. Um, I would spend, I spent so much time, like, on Princeton's campus and UPenn's campus. I was giving people directions. <laughs> wow. For meets? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah. For, for meets. Mm -hmm. And there would be so many days long. You get there a day early. And so some days I would spend like five days at Princeton and like two days at Harvard. Whoa. Or our spring breaks were, they would pick where we went for our spring break. And for our Christmas break, we had to come home. We just got to go for Christmas, but you had to come home early or come to campus early to do your, your practice. Mm -hmm. So I learned, so I learned that sports come number one very quickly and that your rest of your life kind of has to fit around it and that you have to have a strict training schedule that you stick to if you want to be successful. So I have just changed all of that from track to climbing. Mm. And that's, and to do, to fulfill my pre-med requirements, plus I was an environmental science and public policy concentrator. Uh, we don't say majors, we say concentrations. Um, that was one of the more rigorous concentrations at Harvard, and it had a lot of prerequisites. It had a lot of classes you had to fill. Some of the easier concentrations had, like, I think 11 to 13, and mine had 17. Wow. On the easy, like, I did the easiest route, and that was 17. Uh, so to fit all of that in with that, I had to stick by a schedule, like, no matter what, like, like no fun. Like, fun came afterwards after I fulfilled all of my daily requirements. And so that is how I managed to be successful in residency, in fellowship as a climber. I just kept what mm. I learned in, as a track athlete and applied it to medicine and to climbing. So I would not be here today if I wasn't a runner. Mm, that's cool. Do you still do that now? Because I know you're, you're more or less a professional climber. I know you work part of the year and we can talk about that later, but what does that look like now? How do you use those time management skills nowadays? 
Well, I just stopped working at the hospital like oh, six months did. ago. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so like, <laughs> it's glorious right now and I still use it. Um, uh, so it's kind of new. This whole, this, this whole being able to come to Waco regularly is so new to me and it's wonderful. I've like, I get to see people over and over again because before it's like, well, I came once a year and that was my two day trip to Waco. Um, so now this has been great, but I still, I have so many activities because I still have like my personal clinic that I opened and then I have my physician job with one of my sponsors and then I have the my climbing duties that range from being like photographer to blogger. So I have all of those things I have to do every day. And so I I still pack my days full. Like I thought I would have more time now, but I I still I'm still tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still so tired. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first thing you said? You opened a clinic? Yeah. Yeah. I have a I have a cool. medical clinic. It's the first of its kind in the country. What makes it unique? It's a pathology education clinic. Um and it's in a private practice setting. So there are it's a new trend. Like 2017, 18 or so was when like the first one came out as an experiment in, in the U.S. I think, I don't know about other countries, but in the U.S. Uh, I came out as an experiment in an like, academic center, Dr. Joseph. She's my mentor. And I read her article and I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. But she works as a pathologist and does this on the side. Okay. No one has done it as their job. Okay. And not just do regular pathology. So that's what I opened in 2020. The pathology um, pathology is the study of diseases? I guess. Yes. How would you describe it or define it? So uh, by How training... How explain it to a, a dum-dum that doesn't know anything <laughs> about any of this stuff? <laughs> Pointing at myself here. <clears throat> I, I am by training an anatomic and clinical pathologist. That's my residency. And then my fellowship is... I was in hematopathology. So I'm a hematopathologist. It's a lot of words. So as a pathologist in general, we make the diagnosis. So when you, if any, when anything comes off your body, whether it be pee, poo, like your blood, your sweat, your, your liver, your pancreas, your brain, your eyeball, your skin, it comes to us and we make the diagnosis. We either use the lab and we use lab equipment to do it. When you want genetic testing, we're the ones doing it. Mm. When you get your like your breast cancer diagnosis, your lymphoma diagnosis, we're the ones who who are making it. Um, we also do autopsies. Okay. So we make the diagnosis thin. So that, Hopefully that's, that's where the brains and eyeballs are coming from. No. Oh yikes. They're my favorite, one of my favorite things. Not the brain, but I love love eyeballs. I love cutting <laughs> eyeballs. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a little bit I just got a tingle up my spine. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So so in my clinic, you can bring your path report to me and it doesn't have to be cancer. It can be anything, any type of lab result you get. And then I explain it to you with pictures mm. and like plain English so for you to understand. I don't give treatments or recommendations. It's just explanations. Okay. Got it. Okay. So someone could choose to have their blood work or whatever it is done by the hospital, but then send you the, 
the exactly. results and you could yeah explain give them. them a different opinion or whatever it is well no opinions really okay just explaining okay that's how i keep my malpractice low <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> Gotcha. Because to explain, to like give an opinion for a lot of it, particularly if it's a tissue um, diagnosis, I need to see the tissue to give a second opinion because like a pathologist is written on paper what they think it is and all I can do is interpret what they think. But to actually okay. give a second opinion on their diagnosis, I would need to see the slide to say like, oh, yes, I look at this and I agree with what they saw. Mm. So, so you're like a you're like a way better version of like typing something into WebMD and trying yes. to figure out what's wrong with you. Exactly. That, that's pretty much <laughs> Nailed it. what I do. Okay. That's great. Because that's like the worst part of the internet is being able to Google. always going to die. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> do you enjoy this? Do you enjoy that work? Um, Out of, if I must practice pathology, it's my favorite part. Okay. Um. I would prefer to help people on their their sports journeys, but that's not my training. So like in the pathology, like this is my is my favorite part because it's not there and it's needed. It helps people understand like why they need to go to treatment, why why they need to go through with it, why they need to listen to their their clinician. Um, or it can also be less scary. Like mm. I've had I've had People been t like clinicians misunderstand our reports because as a pathologist, our PATH reports are written for other pathologists to understand. So in a, in a standard like report, we actually write one sentence that's kind of um, simplified for the clinician. And then we write pages and pages for the pathologist to understand how we got to that simplified sentence. Okay. And so sometimes, so, but that simplified sentence is still really complicated and clinicians get confused sometimes. And mm. I've had patients where they were, the clinician kind of told them something more scary than they actually had. Oh, wow. And so it's like, no, you don't have cancer. Wow. <laughs> you have the thing before cancer. So like, yes, you have a disease. And yes, it will progress into cancer if you don't listen to the surgery that they told you you need. But no, right now you do not have actual cancer. Hmm. So like, and then they're like, oh my God, like I, I feel so much better. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, I do, I enjoy giving people peace of mind um, about whatever medical journey they're on. Or if it's not peace of mind, like helping them understand that they're going to possibly go through something horrible. And as a cancer patient, I can, you know, say like, I'm mm. sorry, that chest tube's going to suck, mm. but you need it. <laughs> What set you down this path? Did you want to be a doctor as a kid? Yeah. Did I've, you think you would love pathology and it just like, oh, it's not as fun as I hoped it would be? What, what set you down this specific path? I wanted to be in the medical field for as long as I could remember because I didn't know about too many. I mean, I didn't know climbing existed. Um, I didn't know about too many different career options. I knew like doctor, lawyer, professor, researcher. Um, business was like totally foreign. And my parents are kind of into sciences. I was going to ask, was there pressure from your parents? Because I know, like, your mom, didn't she have, like, a PhD in neuroscience? Yeah, yeah. Something? Yeah. So she was very much gung-ho for research. Bar was high, I bet, <laughs> at home. And my, my bio dad was a physician, a surgeon, and my stepdad is also a PhD. Wow. So there <laughs> Were you allowed to come home with an A-? minus? <laughs> They actually, actually, my mom would bribe me to get worse grades when I was in elementary school. Okay. Because I would get so panicked if I 
oh. wasn't perfect. Like if my grades weren't like, like not even just like on a report card. Like, because like she's like, yeah, you keep your straight A's, but you don't have to get a hundred on all your exams. Like, wow. You can get like, you know what? You can get an 89 on your exam and still get an A and life won't end. <laughs> and so she'd be like, how about like, you just do like, you know, a little worse. Like you don't have to study so much. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so there was actually no real like pressure to, to follow. Like it was kind of like, yeah, you go to grad school if you want. But it wasn't that I had to be a doctor or anything. That was just something I had picked because my mom was definitely way more gung ho for like, why don't you, you know, do research mm. in the sciences? Um, but I liked I liked helping people, and I kind I think I started off wanting to be a vet, then I wanted to be an orthodontist, and then I wanted to be a, like an oral surgeon, and then it shifted to orthopedic surgeon, and then I got sick, mm. and I couldn't do that anymore, and I had a, I switched to pathology because. It was a pathologist that saved my life. And I thought like, oh, pathologists are like, no one knows what, what who they are or what they do, but they are like the, the glue of the hospital. Mm. <laughs> the hospital does not function without the pathologist. You don't get your cancer treatment without a pathologist. You don't get any treatment for anything that requires a tissue diagnosis, like blood work. If, we, if we're not here, you don't get that done. You can't get fixed. Mm. So getting sick made me learn that like whoa pathologists are so important and needed do you say that a pathologist saved your life because it was you were having a difficult time figuring out what was wrong with you well yeah, they're, they're they're the ones who figured it out i mean like they're that's their job to figure it out yeah yeah um so i mean so they're the ones who told me that i had Hodgkin's lymphoma because we knew I had a mass so, like we did the x-rays and we saw this giant mass in my chest but we can't get treatment because there's many things that cause a mediastinal mass like so that means chest mass that big and they're different treatments give me some context like how, how what size was it um so it was 13 centimeters holy shit I mean so your listeners can't see this but you see this tattoo yeah. It covers my scars. So like it was wow. so they were so part of the the um cancer was at this tip. I don't know how far over this way, but yeah. it also went to here. So my entire pretty much my entire chest was cancer. Yeah. And that's why I couldn't breathe or eat cuz mass was pressing so much cuz it was so big. So yeah, she's Fabia has like a 5 inch, 5 or 6 inch wide scar, which I can't see cuz it's covered by a beautiful tattoo <laughs> on her chest. And you're not a very big person. No. <laughs> That's crazy to think about. I'm just imagining like a softball almost. Yeah. Baseball, but, softball, maybe uh, in between the two, something maybe, like that. Yeah. So definitely softball. Bigger than base, Way bigger than baseball. Way bigger than a baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was Jesus. like my like, whole chest. How long were you sick before you found out what was wrong? A good six, eight months. Okay. Yeah, but, you know, we didn't think it was that serious in the beginning. Mm. Do you remember what it felt like, I mean, to go from being a Division One track athlete at Harvard? What was your event, by the way? I meant to ask you that earlier. A hundred. I was the 100. fastest woman in Harvard's like, history. Damn. For, I think I held it for seven years, and it was Sick. broken by an Olympian. Like, she ran the Olympics this year. Like, no way. Did really great. So I'm like, well, you know, if you... Um, if you're gonna, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if someone's gonna break it, okay. I 
<laughs> At least she went to the, the whole world. <laughs> Damn. What was your time? Do you remember what your... Um, like 11, 8. It wasn't that great, that's, but... <laughs> I don't know much about track. I just know that's It's pretty good. Fast. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, I ran the 100 and 200, but I preferred the 100. And okay. I, and I did, I anchored the relays. Got it. And then like I did indoor track. So like the, the, it's a little different. Like there's like a 60 in a 200. There's no, okay. there's no 100 in indoor track. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. So yeah, to go from that, like you're a top tier college athlete, you get sick to find out that you have cancer at what, 24, 23, 24? You would think I would know. Yeah. And now it's all blurry. You can't even. I was 24. Do you remember what that felt like? Oh, yeah. Um, well, because it didn't, it didn't happen. You don't like just suddenly get sick. I mean, like. It's a long drawn out process. Like, yeah. yeah. So when I got the diagnosis, um, you know, I couldn't climb because I was too sick to climb. But. Can you, can you describe sick? Like what? What did your day to day look like? Like what? Well, I at this point when I had to stop climbing before we knew I even had cancer before I even knew I had a mass in my chest. Every time I lifted my arms up, my th- my throat would close, Whoa. like my trachea would close. I couldn't get air in. Like I would try to start a problem, and I'd be like, "Oh, no oxygen," and I'd be like, <gasps> and "People would say like, what's wrong?" I was like, "I don't know. I lift my arms up and I can't breathe." Like I would try to like take bowls out of the cupboard or I remember trying to put laundry like in the dryer <laughs> like I just couldn't I didn't I mean I felt bad but like I didn't feel the main thing was that I just couldn't get air or food or water in but like if I didn't need air to do pull-ups or something I probably could have you know kept doing pull-ups <laughs> Like my the rest of my body felt fine. Got it. Right. That's what that's what this I'm is a to funny say. thing to say, but yeah, I got you. So you were strong, like your body was functional. It was functional. Yeah. Um, but I just couldn't get any nutrients and so I was losing weight despite yeah. exercising. I used to, like I thought like I'm like, why am I losing weight? But I didn't really think I was losing weight, but but people kept telling me that mm. I looked skinnier. And that was but so when I actually felt the point where, like, your, for your question is, that didn't come when the diagnosis came. That came a lot later, like, realizing that I'm not an athlete. Because, like, then, I don't know, I felt like an athlete still. Like, I I felt like me. I felt like Favia at the diagnosis. I didn't, I call it death day. I had a death day in October. I think it was, like, October 30th around then. Like, that was, like, when my soul died. And then I was like, oh, okay, no longer me. That was, like, the last, like, I was slowly losing who I was. And then that was the final day where I was like, gone. Where were you in your process? Was this like mid-chemo or? Yeah. um, Yeah, nearly halfway through with chemo. Okay. Yeah. And that was... How long is that process? My chemo was six months. Okay. Because it was advanced. If you have an earlier stage Hodgkin's, this is then, they've actually changed the treatment protocol um, since my diagnosis. But then if you... Um, had an earlier stage, you get four months in radiation. But with my advanced stage, I had to do six months in radiation, which I declined. Um, so I didn't, I didn't technically finish my treatment. But so I did six months. It would have been nice to do four because then it, I would have only lost my soul like near the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
such an that's so intense. I'm sure you mean it. I'm sure you mean it, and I'm sure you felt it. But that's such an intense phrase. It's crazy to think about. Um, yeah, I even try to change it on Facebook. I try to change my birthday to like my death day, and like they wouldn't let me. <laughs> I am two days old. <laughs> like, no, this is not your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> what um. What was it about that day or what was it that you felt that you had lost that made that feel like your death day? I think I had realized what I had lost. So it mm. wasn't that that day I lost anything more than the previous day. It was just that I realized, I realized who I was and I was like, oh, it's not me. Like mm. I'm just a, a shell, this empty sack Whoa. of like this empty dying sack. It's not even like a good sack. <laughs> <laughs> empty bad sack yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah that day I was just like I was just it was just awful like realizing it I, it, I don't I don't even know how to like describe it but that was that there was a day where I just realized that like I was n not any part of who I'd always been for the past like 24 at that point 25 years and then I I cried a lot Mm. But we were having a party that day. You're having a party that day? We were having a Halloween party. <sighs> so now we have pictures were you at, at home. home. Yeah, we, I mean, I couldn't go places. Yeah. So, like, everyone had. But you're not home. in the hospital. No, yeah, I was at home. Yeah, okay. not in the hospital. Um, and they were coming over. And the first person who walked in, I just like bawled in their arms. Oh, man. They're like, oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I've never met you before. <laughs> Dude, that's so intense. Yeah. Did I mean you? Did you feel like you had to? Like, what did the rest of? It, I mean, if you have three more months of chemo, you're still fighting this thing. Like, did you feel like you had to make a decision and choose to fight, or were you just kind of no. just step by step, just like surviving? You know, it's just surviving. There yeah. was no. I had no fight. There was no fight. Like when I did my first chemo, I was like, oh yeah, I'm ready to fight this. Mm. But then after that, it's just trying to trying to go on like just live every i took it second by second like i would actually say like i survived that second wow <laughs> on to the next second oh i survived that second <laughs> on to the next second <laughs> and like i live literally second by second and i congratulated myself for making it to the next second <laughs> and then and that was for like a long time like eight months maybe and then it went to minutes it went to months. It went to days and months, years after I finished. Uh, I remember the day. I remember the day where I looked in the mirror and I wasn't like just overwhelmed with horrible, sad feelings about what happened. And I realized that the previous day I wasn't sad when I looked in the mirror. And I was like, whoa, I went like two days. Wow. <laughs> and I was already in residency at this point when like, I had that thought i was like oh, okay so it, it was a long like hard hard and maybe road at, at that point from the outside it looked like you had regained your life but it right it didn't no feel that not way even yet. close yeah not even close hmm. i mean for most part even when i was going through chemo because i got chemo every two weeks so like on a monday i get chemo Monday through Thursday, I'd be in my chemo coma like i wouldn't know I, either i'd be in the hospital or i'd be at home and not with it and then I'd wake up on Thursday in horrible, just horrible pain, wishing I was still in my coma. 
And then um, by like that following Saturday, I would feel relatively okay where I could get up. Like a like eight days later, mm-hmm. eight or nine days later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, no. More like 12 days later. Well, after the Thursday. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. From the chemo. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, so almost I, two weeks after your treatment. Almost two weeks, but I get my treatment every two weeks. You find. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you finally feel good again on Saturday, two weeks after. Like good, then... good enough to manage to leave the house for maybe an hour or two. Like, not good, but yeah. it's like, okay, you can, like, drag me to the car. I can get to a place. And maybe someone won't ask me if I'm having a heart attack. Like, people would, I would look so sickly, like, in restaurants that people would be like, is she okay? Oh, man. <laughs> and that was my good day. Like, people thinking, like, I need to call you, like, an emergency, like, 911. You yeah. look so sick. <laughs> Um, so I would try to like see some old classmates from like med school on one of my two days I could leave the house. And then they said, what are you doing? You having fun? Like you going climbing? And I look at them like I'm bawling my brains out every day. (laughs) Does that sound like fun? And they're all like, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) so like two people who weren't in the day to day, they just kind of thought that, you know, I felt kind of bad, but I was enjoying my time in life where in reality I was just trying to make it to the next second mm. so it's, I, the outside is very like it's different than what's actually happening I want to ask you this because it's interesting to me that like in our in our society we get no coaching no training on this type of thing like when someone that you love gets sick no one knows what the hell to do, you know? We're all just, like, winging it and hoping that we're not making it worse with the things that we say or the condolences that we offer and things like that. Do you remember, like, what made you feel better? Anything or comforted or seen or... Was there anything that people could say or do that would feel good? I think is highly variable depending on, like, it's person to person. Okay. Because um, some people I know loved support groups. Support groups made me angry. Um, so I avoided them. What made me feel great was just people sitting with me. Well, that was nice. Um, and the, it was hard because I know my friends struggled to know what to do. And, you know, they would give me food, but I couldn't keep the food down. So, like, and certain foods would just close my throat up. Like, my favorite foods. And it was the saddest thing. Oh. I had, like, boxes and boxes of raisinets that everyone was getting because I loved raisinets. And I could not eat raisinets. Like, it took me years to be able to eat raisinets again. What are raisinets? Chocolate-covered raisins. Chocolate-covered raisins. Got it. Got it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so that thought was nice. But I know I offended some people when I was sick because, like, they would send me a very nice text message. And, like, I wouldn't respond. Mm. But, I mean, it was because, like, maybe I was in my chemo coma for four days and, you know, I wasn't doing any... It wasn't, like, a personal... Yeah, of course. Personal, like, attack on them. And I appreciated it, but I was just too sick. Like, I was just trying to survive. So, I think it's important to not... Like, they're not trying to be rude. (laughs) Yeah, don't expect anything back. Yeah, don't expect anything back Mm. as if they were healthy or Mm. if they were, like, mildly sick like if you have a cold or something like it's it's very different but i really just loved that people would just sit and maybe 
pretend to watch TV with me because I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, I enjoy like my husband. <clears throat> She's watching this movie again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, Brian can really contest to that. <laughs> um, he would have like friends over and I wouldn't really be participating. Like I would we moved me to the couch. So actually, I didn't sleep in the bedroom because I couldn't move. So like wherever I slept was where I was staying. So when I was in the bedroom, I felt really isolated because when people came over, it's kind of weird to all like gather in the bed. Uh, they, they felt less weird gathering around the couch. So we moved to the couch. Um, and so I would just be laying on the couch and everyone else would be kind of, you know, having fun, drinking, playing cards. And I wasn't really participating, but I kind of enjoyed, you know, feeling horrible <laughs> and watching them have fun. Mm. Uh, so that was that was good, but also giving me a lot of freedom to cope with this the way I wanted to cope with it, which may not have been the best way to cope with it. But because after I finished chemo, I wanted people to sit with me during chemo, but after chemo, I didn't want to see anybody. Uh. I rejected every invitation. I wanted to see just want everyone to keep their distance from me. And I know that hurt a lot of my friends' feelings. Do you remember why? Um, was a, a few things. People kind of thought, as I did myself, that once you once I finished chemo, my soul would come back. Mm. I would be Favi again. I was I thought it would be instant. I thought I'd go through my last chemo and then I'm me again. Right. But I went through my last chemo and I was still not me again. I was worse. I was more soulless than I ever could have been. Way more depressed. Like it was like I felt the lowest once I was done with treatment um, than I had during treatment, and I knew that they expected me to be me, and I just didn't. And I, I don't even know if they actually did, but that's what I thought they wanted was like the old Fabia, and I knew I couldn't bring that, mm. and I was sad. I guess I was mourning. I mean, that's the best way. I was mourning my death. Because at that point, I wasn't so sick. It was before I was living second to second. Now I had like some minutes that I could like think about what happened. And I was just sad. And, and I just, I didn't want to be around people. So I like, then at that point, I was ignoring texts and invitations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, then, but then after maybe a year or two, um, I, I was like, hey guys. I'm back. <laughs> you want to hang out? <laughs> I'm so sorry that like, I know y'all did so many wonderful things while I was sick. And then I didn't want to talk to you, but I'm healed a bit. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, I am I wish I could have explained that to them then. That, like, it's not you. I'm just mourning in is like constant reminders of who I was. Because mm. it would be kind of like, hey, Fabi, do you want to do this? And I still can't do that. Got and it. so if I just didn't have those reminders, it was easier for me to heal. Because I knew where I was at and I knew what I could do. And so I just didn't want anyone to offer like... Hey, do you want to go, you know, do you want to go climbing when I can't open the fridge? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not right now. <laughs> I want to ask you about your, your mindset and how that transition came about whether that was a choice, an intentional choice that you made at some point, or whether that has just grown out of regaining your life and regaining, you know, confidence and joy and things. But I've had a couple days hanging out with you at Waco, climbing together, and you smile and laugh more than anyone else 
I've ever climbed with. It's constant. And I've never, I don't think I've heard you say a negative thing. Like you acknowledge limitations that you have with your connective tissue disorder and injuries and things like that, but it's not negative. It's not a complaint. It's not an excuse. It's just, you're recognizing it and working around it. You're so positive. How, how did you reach that place? Was that a choice or was that just something that has grown over time? Man, I wish I had a better memory. I really wish I could remember like what my personality was like before, like, like I don't remember who I was before cancer. Wow. Like, I just don't, I just, and it's not, I can't blame like cancer as part of it, but like, I just, I always growing up, I always carried a camera with me before we had like, you know, smartphones. So I could take pictures so I could remember what happened. <laughs> and so like, because of... There's no reason. I just can't remember. Just because of amnesia? Like that was just always... A, I mean, just poor a memory. Thing. Like great... Like you want to say like, Favia, hey, study this page of a science textbook. And I can like regurgitate every like word on that page. But like, hey, Favia, what was life like in eighth grade? I'm like, I... But even as a kid, you were taking photos for that reason? Like, like once you, I got a camera... Like, yeah. I was always carrying a camera so I can remember. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, I don't really know what I was like. So like, you really need to like interview my friends who mm. know me like the high school or even college. And now and see like, maybe I'm the same mm. <laughs> or maybe I'm different. I honestly don't know. Mm. Um, but this is who I came out after <laughs> cancer. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I do know that I have always been on the positive side. Like, I love, love to cheer. Like, I just love to root people on. It's one of my favorite things to the point where people have asked me to not cheer because it's like so loud. <laughs> <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> thank you, but please stop. <laughs> <laughs> too much, too much. Yeah. So, I think part of my personality has always been kind of bubbly. And happy. Uh, I mean, I think that's why cancer was so hard because it was like a, a mm. 180. Like I wasn't bubbly or happy at all. And I think I've bounced back to maybe what I was like then. This is weird. I'm not going to have a conversation with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I guess what I'm curious about is has that just happened naturally or did you make a concerted effort? Did you make oh. a choice? No, it just happened naturally. Okay. Yeah, no, no, cho I mean, um, I made a distinct choice to recover. Mm. Um, and, but the, that's cool. How I turned out from that, I didn't, it's like, I want to be, you know, happy and laugh all the time. That's just what happened. Yeah. Um, and I've, I know I've always, I've always liked to laugh and that's how I got my apps. Like I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't do ab exercises. I just laughed a lot. And if you try to laugh for a minute straight, it's a burner. <laughs> no joke. I know you're not joking. That's why it's so funny. I know you're serious and you have great, you have incredible abs and it's just because you laugh all the it's time. It's laughing. And I think a lot of like between laughing and coughing because I have like lung issues. And so between that is always a workout. That's hilarious. But I made a distinct choice to recover. Like that was. What did that mean to you at the time? Do you remember? Uh, I meant to get back to climbing. Okay. Once I, I guess I didn't, in my head, I felt like I was moping for a long time, but it really wasn't that long. I had my final surgery. 
um, after so after I finished chemo, I had a few I had a surgery like a few weeks afterwards, and I that was definitely a low point after that. And I want I was very angry, and then I decided that I had to be productive with my anger. <laughs> I was like, being angry does not help you at all in life. You're going to have to put this to something. And so you're going to put it into getting back in shape. Was it like, <clears throat> as far as the anger goes, was it just like, why why me? Why did this happen? Yeah, it was a lot of like, like why did I have to like lose everything? Mm. Like that was, that was probably, that was a lot of it. Like, like who am I? Because I'm not an athlete right now. And that's who I've always been. Why? We don't have any reason, just like bad luck. Um, yeah, so I was, I was very upset, mm. and I hadn't been that upset during the whole thing because I was living second by second, trying not to, just trying to survive. Got you. So you made a choice to channel your anger into lowball roofs. Not at that point. I mean, <laughs> at that point, it was just trying to lift my arms above my head. Yeah, uh, but eventually, fridges, once yeah. I transitioned from getting into shape back into climbing, I didn't go directly back into climbing. Um, then it was low ball roofs. Mm. Mm -hmm. Helicopter. <laughs> but that was my main goal. I just wanted to climb helicopter. Like, I had no aspirations to be a professional rock climber. Like, all I wanted to do was just climb that V5 at Cooper's Rock. That was <laughs> what I was training for. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> what what was it about that climb? Uh, well, at Cooper's, there's not a lot of roofs. There's not a lot of low ball roofs. There's like two. So, I mean, actually, there's a little bit more. There's a whole, there's a whole like roof little area. Um, had, had you already had the landing hip accident? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're seeking out. I mean, I don't know. I don't remember when I fell, found helicopter or when the accident was. It, I don't know what the order was. Okay. But I know I, I was always obsessed with helicopter. I don't know. Like, I saw that little dark little cave and <laughs> I wanted to be in it. And everyone was like, this makes no sense. Like, you don't even, like, you're terrified of being out in nature, but you're you're Were the you? only one who sits in a cave. Like, you can't even see what's in there with you. <laughs> terrified of nature <laughs> working out i mean like i've come a long way yeah in my time where uh i've gotten maybe too brave for i've gone night climbing alone mm. um where i was like Ooh, this probably was not not my best idea but when i started off climbing you know i never really been on a hike wow. like i didn't know anything about being outside so I, I had to learn it all as an adult which was hard for people to understand so i got ridiculed a lot for that as well because from climbers or from climbers okay yeah because it's like well why can't you do this th th this thing that i can do now mm. like why can't you do that because because like from a person who's never been outside before like this is terrifying yeah <laughs> yeah yeah totally yeah. <laughs> so, that's, hopefully that's something that more people can relate to now just with the prevalence of gyms and people mm -hmm. being able to discover climbing from lots of lots of places around the country that don't have lots of outdoor access or maybe they do and the person just never has yeah it's, it's a cultural thing yeah yeah so not all cultures want to spend all their time outside because some of them were forced to be outside mm. yeah. <laughs> and now they're trying to enjoy some luxuries of being inside <laughs> <laughs> so so it's kind of it's, it's a it can be a cultural thing that you just weren't exposed to it mm. um even if you live in a place that does have mountains Mm. So be kind to people who are new 
to the outdoors because they not everyone was born knowing how to like hop from rock to rock or, you know, basic hiking skills that now even I take for granted. Mm. But I have videos of proof <laughs> that I was not always there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put them in the show notes. <clears throat> so helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. How did you discover it for the first time? Did you see someone climb it or it's just, you're just out there and you're like that dark little cave. I want to be in there. Again. Okay. It's around chemo time. That was it. Oh, okay. You're going to have to ask. I have no, because like. I'm not going to ask you any questions about this, (laughs) this decade. (laughs) Because all I remember is being obsessed with helicopter. I have no memory of first discovering helicopter. Okay. But what I knew was that I needed to get back to it. Mm. That's all, that's all I can remember is that. I had I needed to get back to that roof. Hmm. Um, it was so. I mean, I th- I must have just been risk averse. Oh, I mean, because in gymnastics, I was terrified of it, so I've never been that brave a person. In gymnastics, yeah, when I, that was my very very first sport when I was five. How long did you do that? I did it for a few years, like five to eight. Okay, and then I found it again from eleven, twelve to fifteen or so, because. Um, 14, 14 or 15. Because we didn't have like a track. Like there's, I lived in the middle of nowhere, kind of. So you didn't have any sports to choose from. Where were you? Uh, St. Mary's County, Maryland. It's it's grown a lot since I was there like a long time ago. Um, but yeah, you could do like softball, gymnastics. And I think when I lived in Nashville, I moved around a bit. Uh, but before I lived in Maryland, I lived in Nashville and I was doing ice skating. I really enjoyed it, but there's no ice skating rink. Mm. I mean, you had to drive like two hours or so to go ice skating. So I had to like pick, and there was no track team there. So I had to pick like from gymnastics or softball. And we've gone over how great I am at coordination. <laughs> so like ball sport, I think they had soccer. Like there were all the ball sports were out. So gymnastics was left. And then once I was in high school, I could transition to just doing track. I think your coordination is good when your eyes are open. Yesterday, I tried to hit a light switch and I missed. (laughs) And I was like, this is why you can't hit the holes. (laughs) You can't even turn on the light. (laughs) Um, What has your progression been like? What has your progression in climbing been like on the other side of cancer, on this side of cancer? Oh, it's been, I I would say probably pretty great. Yeah. But I have to constantly remind myself that because... You know, I I think my personality is to to always be kind of happy with where you're at, but never be happy enough. Mm. So you, I always want more. That drive, yeah. I always want to do better. So like, I'm always thinking like, oh, Fabi, why can't you dine? Like, why can't you do this? Or I have like lasting effects from you know the surgeries and cancer that I may never like regain like some function in some places. Mm. And I'm like, why can't I do this move? And I'm like, ah, cancer, chemo wasn't made to keep make you a, a V14 climber. <laughs> it was made to keep you alive. Yeah. And you weren't even that strong of a climber when you got sick because I was new to it. So none of my thoughts, like, if I could go back now, I'd be like, oh, no, no. You're not biopsying my chest. <laughs> and you're definitely not biopsying both of my chest sides. Leave me one good side at least. <laughs> wow. Uh, but then I, I didn't think about it. I was like, yeah, go ahead and, you know. Do you have to do? But now I would be more forceful. I'd be like, is there a place that does not affect my climbing? Would that have been an option, you think? Um, I mean, they would have been very angry and probably would not have listened. But at least I know I could have tried. Mm. Um, 
because I mean, the cancer was so big that there were other, I mean, they could have just tried more on one side than the other, mm. but I mean, who knows? Like it might not have worked. Yeah. Uh, so, but I would have at least liked to have told them to at least try to preserve <laughs> some of my chest muscles or maybe not put the port in my leg. I mean, that, that was the main, that's like the worst thing that I haven't figured out how to recover from. Is having so you a port had a port in, in your leg for the chemo treatments? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. How does that limit you now? Uh, I get hor I have a lot of scar tissue there, so I have horrible pain where the port was okay. all the time. And it just makes it hard to use, like, with even without the herniated disc, it makes it hard to use my leg, my How right leg. How did you get the herniated disc? Uh, American Ninja Warrior. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, we'll come back to that. Um, I want to ask you about this. So you had your pecs were cut to biopsy this mass in your chest. You still suffer from some of this repercussions of that but you can you're like stronger than the world record holder in weighted pull-ups like you were like the strongest person when it comes to weighted pull-ups in the world possibly what is up with that like how did that happen have you always <laughs> yeah well... how much give me the give me the numbers how um i learned about this the other day and it absolutely blew my mind what is the current world record roughly and then you know, we should probably Google it to be exact. We should, we should Google this. It's about this. weight, like your your weight class too. Okay. So it's like for my weight class. Um, but I feel like it was maybe around uh, like 100 pounds or 95 pounds or something. Added to your waist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for like if you weigh 50 kilograms uh -huh. or so. Um, and I actually, I don't, I haven't done a one rep max. Right. Um, but I mean, I can do pull-ups with my friends on me and they weigh like 109 um i've done multiple reps of wide pull-ups at 105 so so this is favia doing wide pull-ups for reps with 105 pounds added to her body weight <laughs> this is insane insane how um i wanted to know first off like what's the most you've ever done pull-ups what's the most weight you've ever done and for how many reps? I'm curious about that. But then I want to hear like how many cats you can do pull-ups with. Because I know you measure your one-arm pull-ups at least with cats. Yeah, I do measure my one-arm pull-ups and cats. Um, I haven't trained. I stopped training weighted pull-ups, I think, a year and a half ago. So that was the last time I did it. Okay. Um, and that was when, because I, were, I was doing, you know, like a hundred, like my body weight in pull-ups. In reps, like two, like three reps at a time. Um, and my coaches at Lattice were like, you don't need to do this anymore. Why are, like, yeah. you're just going to get injured by putting all that weight. Cause I had to disperse the weight. So I had a weight vest, weight around my ankles, <laughs> weight around my waist. Like I, cause it was just too much weight. Yeah. Uh, so we, that's why we went to wide pull ups so I could lessen the weight. But then that got up to 105, <laughs> three reps at 105. And so then we're just like, okay, we're gonna insane. we're gonna stop. And then uh, we were I was training one arm pull ups, doing weighted one arm pull ups. I've done Sanford. He's my <laughs> my heaviest cat. Um, he's about like like fifteen pounds or so. Uh, but right now I I had to take a break this summer from the one arm pull ups because they were dislocating my ribs. What? Yeah. Okay. So I learned that I can dislocate. Like every few months, I learn I dislocate something new. I'm like, I didn't know I could do that. 
Um, but I was from all the pulling, it was pulling too hard on my triceps, which was pulling on my lats, which was pulling my ribs out. So I'd be at work like, I can't breathe. Why can't I breathe right now? And then I'd go and I have regular chiropractor appointments. Like I have them like I see like two people every week. And I went and well, actually for this one, I call it an emergency one. I was like, there's like I just like I can't breathe. I need to come in right now. And they're like, oh yeah, your ribs are out. And they just put them in. I was like, oh. So every time I pulled, it was pulling my my ribs out. So I, I took a pause from them from the summer until like last week where I was like, I was curious. Like, huh. mm. <laughs> I wonder how those feel. Because I tore my bi- my right bicep in October. Mm. So I wasn't like, I didn't do pull-ups for a long time. And I wasn't able to hang from one arm. And now that it's feeling better, I wanted to see where, where it's at. So my left arm... I did, I could do three, no problem with no weights. Three one on pull-ups. Pull yeah. On and then arm. I was like, okay, let's just see how heavy I can get. And I uh, I did Lulu. She weighs nine, nine and a half pounds. <laughs> so, uh, but I didn't try Sanford. I was, I was like, I didn't want to push it. I don't yeah. want to. When I when I try 100%, I get injured. So I have to keep my effort level around like 90, 95 to make sure I don't get injured. And so I felt like that was around that effort level. And then I did one on my right arm and it felt fine. I didn't want to press, I didn't want to push my bicep. So, but at least I'm back at doing one arm pull-ups on both sides. You tore your bicep in October and you can already <laughs> do a one arm pull-up again on that side. Yeah. And you did, you took all that time off and you can still, you're like six pounds shy of your all-time best I mean on your other arm on my weaker arm so that was probably my damn my, my stronger arm I did Sanford you're just like made for these yeah when I was on the track team they would actually rank us <laughs> they kind of stopped doing this eventually but we'd have to do a test and they would do like leg tests like squats and like pull-ups I would always rank near the bottom of the entire team for like leg strength hmm. but my arm strength was great hmm. without any training I was doing like 35 pounds with pull-ups Whoa. Like when I was running track. Like, I wish someone had pulled me inside and said, like, look at these numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of climbing? <laughs> like, look, your legs, mm, <laughs> but your arms <laughs> are <Wow>. really strong. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. And that's why I can't dyno. Why is that? Because when you start off, when you go into the climbing gym for the first time and, you know, and I'm not naturally inclined to dyno. Like, oh, you're strong enough to not have to. I was strong enough to lock everything off. Got like, it. I was like, oh, well, why would I jump for that when I can lock it off? Ah. And then I got stronger. And so as I progressed through the grades, I could lock it off. <laughs> now just I really don't off. have to dyno. Yeah. Yeah. And then I realized, I think two, two years ago, that at certain points, like when there's a V12 dyno, yeah it's a dyno <laughs> <laughs> right well like the crux move so you've been trying martini right and the hardest move on the boulder is just a really big dynamic move to a to a waco yeah from these two kind of decent crimps but you're in a horizontal roof so I'm, not on a massive decent move. I'm not on the decent crimps oh yeah well yeah i wish i was yeah i'm on a decent decent crimp and then like a heinous pinch if you want to call it that mm. <laughs> fair, fair. yeah 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 so there's no like there's no locking it off no matter how many one-arm pull-ups you can do you just have to move mm-hmm. dynamically um, i mean you can do the toe first beta and i have done that yeah 
And so you can, I did manage to find a workaround <laughs> work for well, my martini. I think that's cool though. I think, you know, it sounds like you were, you, you've always been able to get around that. You were trying to find your way around that on this one. And at some point you realize like, I actually have to just learn how to do this. I have to learn how to move dynamically. Yeah, it wasn't this problem. It was a problem. It was um, a problem in Albuquerque, New Mexico at home that like made me change the way I was training because I had pretty much done all the low ball hard roofs that didn't have a dyno in it and I'd run out. And I was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> that one has a big throw. That one has a big throw. And I set my sights on this one problem that I did not realize the crux was actually a V12. Like the crux move is just a V12 throw. Whoa. I didn't know that. I, I thought it was like, you know, like maybe some like hard stuff here, some slightly hard stuff and it all added up to like a mm. V12 problem. Not that like there is just a one hard move. One really hard move. Yeah. Um, And so I went to train for that one really hard move. I still have not done that <laughs> one move. <laughs> but like, so I switched my whole, or I had lads switch my whole training thing to like train for that one move mm. for like a year and a half. I finally... Told them maybe we should. I'm taking a break from that climb. From that climb. Yeah. What is it? What is the name of the climb? Man, they're gonna say like, "God, girl, how is she a doctor? She can't remember anything." I'm pretty sure it's center Ling Chi, left, right, center. Center Ling Chi. Ling Chi. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's like a right and a left. Mm-hmm. Um, eleven, twelve, and thirteen. Ah, uh, it's it's a roof. Mm-hmm. But it has a throw, and everyone's like, "Why would you pick that?" Like. After I've been projecting for like a year, everyone's like, why did you pick that one? <laughs> that was hard. Like, that's not like, like a soft one. Like, that's just like a hard V12 throw. And like, we know you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that climb kind of like opened, well, just looking around what was around me and seeing that there was no way for me to that kind of tricked my way out of the remaining problems in our area. Mm. There was just no trickery. You just have to throw for it. Mm. And so I've been learning. What has that looked like? What what has been the progression and what has helped you? When I look at it as a big picture, it's been a wonderful progression. But like personally, I'm still extremely upset about it. Because <laughs> again, I'm not where I want to be. Yeah. But when I think about where I came, when people would ask me to dyno, because I mean, I honestly, I never had to dyno when I first started climbing because I could avoid it. So me trying to dyno was something kind of new that I started when I moved to New Mexico in 2016. And people said, somehow when you try, you get closer to the ground. Like instead of even like when you try to jump up, you jump down. (laughs) They're like, how do you even do that? <laughs> it's the wrong way. Right. I was jumping the wrong way. Like, <laughs> And so when I think about I used to jump the wrong way and now I go the right direction, it's big, big steps. <laughs> yeah, but and when I huge. climb people who haven't climbed with me for like a year or two and then they see me like throw for something, they're mm. like, Whoa. Like, that's not the Fabi I knew a couple mm, years ago. That's like, cool. You, you like, wouldn't be able to do that. But, like, I'm frustrated because I still can't do that move mm. on, like, right martini or I can't do that move on Central Ling Chi. 
Uh, but the progression has come from just dedicating, I think, almost... I'm coming, I think in May, no, maybe it's like two and a half, about two and a half years of my life to learning to dyno. About most of my workouts are just geared towards dynoing. Are you getting these from Lattice? or? Yeah, they're all from Lattice. Okay. So they ask you what you want to focus on. Yeah. I'm like, why do you ask me this every three months? <laughs> same, same thing, like, same thing. Copy and paste it. <laughs> do you have a specific coach at Lattice? Yeah, Josh. So my, my coach is Josh Hadley. Okay. Um, he's a boulderer, I think. I mean, I see him bouldering all the time. And he gives me really good workouts. Uh, I've been really impressed because we've been on this journey for two and a half years to dyno. And, I mean, it's been nice that they haven't said give up. <laughs> but they keep... I don't think they tell you that until you stop paying them. <laughs> but they, they, keep, they keep the workouts, like, fresh. What do some of those look like? What have been some of the things that have helped? Uh, well, I started off just being afraid to jump from the ground to a hold. Okay. Like a jump start, like you know how jump start problems are popular? Yeah. I couldn't do those because I was afraid. I was afraid to jump to them. Like that was terrifying to me. So we did a lot of just jumping. Um, and and I jumped and jumped until I wasn't afraid anymore. And that was maybe like a year. <laughs> just jumping off the ground and, and latching a hold. Yeah. Yeah. That was... That was just terrifying. Yeah. Uh, and then more recently, it has been learning to push with my legs. I actually started slab climbing to learn how to dyno. Mm. Because again, as we mentioned, I lock off whenever possible. And if you give me the opportunity to lock off, I will do it. Like even, even I was climbing with a friend and I said, oh, I'm doing my dyno workout. And they said, you realize you try to do that dyno the most static way possible. Mm. Like, I think I'm dynoing, but the outside person's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so I went over to the slab because when like, and try not to use my hands to like move up to like a really high hold. So get on the wall, no hands, and then like reach, jump to a hold with my mm. hands. And that was really, really helpful. So just driving with your legs. Just driving with my legs. When I say I can't use my, so this because I wasn't using my hands at all. Period. Then I couldn't lock off. Mm. There was no, I couldn't, you know, trick myself. So that was really helpful. And then we'd been we progressed like doing easy problems, and then take out a hold, and then I take out two holds, and or do harder problems, like V five V six, and take out a key hold. Just this one hold that you like you would think you would really need, but take it out and skip it. And my recent favorite is the campusing exercises where I campus with my feet on. Uh one like right now I'm at the one foot on, mean? one foot off. But we started off with two feet on or one foot on and two hands on. And you're supposed to learn how to coordinate pulling down with your upper body while pushing up with your feet. Okay. And when I started at well, at first, I was like, are they nuts? Like, why would I want to campus with feet on? And then I tried it, and I was like, oh, I'm, I campus worse with my feet on than without feet. And I, was like, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, how is this going to help me? Then I realized, oh, I think normal people probably can go further with their feet on. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So you're... you're... You're kind of campusing, but you're you're using one foot 
to do, I imagine, bigger, more powerful campus moves than you could with just your arms. Right. Okay. That's that's the goal. Okay. We're not there yet, but <laughs> that is where right now I've actually gotten to where I think I'm about equal. Uh, so, and, but I have to say that when I'm campusing without feet, it's a lot harder to get to that hold than when I'm using my foot. Oh, that's good. So that the effort level is a lot less, even though I maybe not can't see a further like wrong, but the effort is easier or less when I have my foot on. Are you doing this on a campus board? Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Not on a campus board. And it's just so much. I mean, it was just eye opening. Like, because mm. you're not supposed to be, like, you're supposed to be better. <laughs> With your feet on. <laughs> yeah, feet yeah, on. yeah. <laughs> and so the coordination is just really hard for me. Mm. So that's that's where we're at. But I've, I hit a wall, like, I think in 2020, when did I graduate? 2021. The, the like, 2020, 2021, I just could not get past like V7 on board, like, like on a kilter board or mm. like, like V6. Like I just like, I could do a couple of V7s and I could not, even though I like outside climbed a lot harder, just could not do anything. And then uh, I took a bit of a break and I came back and I started like just flashing V7s, but I still could not do V8s. Like I was like, wow, like this is not right. Like <laughs> I can flash one grade and I'm like, completely stuck not even close on this Mm. next grade but then like i think two or three weeks ago something just happened and now i can do like the v8 dinos wow i don't don't know like so like i'm like okay this is great like i'm I'm starting to understand like this movement is like it's slowly slowly coming that i've i've ever complained like i cannot break through this wall this v8 dino can't do it but now i can sick yeah, so I just got to keep at it. And eventually I'll get to where I will probably never be happy. <laughs> <laughs> there always be more. Yeah. yeah. I'd wanted to ask you about inspirations. Do you have any climbing inspirations? Specific climbers that you look up to, especially now that you're working on this specific thing? I look up to many climbers. I mean, I almost look up to any climber who can dino. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the bro in the gym who's doing B3 dinos all day. Like, yeah. that guy. <laughs> yes. Amazing. I do. And I go up to them. And I'm like, how did you do that? <laughs> and like, sometimes they look at me and they're like, uh, like, why are you asking me? I'm like, I can't do that. I want to know. How did you do that dino? Yeah. Um, so like, I guess in particular, uh, I mean, I really love Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I don't think he's a climber, but he's like my hero. Why is that? Oh, I mean, he's pretty much achieved everything in life that I would ever want to achieve. I mean, he was the best at his sport in the world, which would be amazing and then he was able to transition to a career into tv and movies and he was amazing people might be like (laughs) but i think he's amazing like terminator Mm. all like kindergarten cop he's hilarious um what's the one what is he in with danny devito oh there's there's several several there's several were they brothers twins Twins. there's twins. twins Uh, but there's a, a Twins is epic. there's a couple of them. I was like, well, those were that's actually a duo. Like they did a few films together. 
<laughs> and then he was able to transition to be governor. Yeah. And now he rescues animals. Oh, no way. Yeah. His house is like crazy animals, like donkeys and llamas in it. Oh, I didn't know He's that. got a new dog. <laughs> <laughs> But like in the climbing world, I really uh, look up to Alex Johnson because I am older than her. But I do love that she is killing it at like a mature age. <laughs> yeah, she's like I think she's my age. I think she's thirty two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, she's crushing right now. Yeah. She's climbing her best ever for sure. And she climbs like she's been able to. Be a kid, like a young crusher, but she competes now. And like she can, like, because climbing has changed in the way, like, the comps mm-hmm. climbs, like, they're different than they were. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't even know climbing like 12 years ago, but I like, I watch comps like on YouTube and stuff. And I'm like, well, they're very, very different. And she's able to make that shift. Mm. She's stayed with the times, which I think is incredible. Mm. And she's an awesome human. So. <laughs> Nice. Alex, but almost like all of the all of the strong females out there, I mean I could list like Akio mm. Noguchi from Japan. I mean, she's also she's in her thirties. And I love that I mean she's I know she's retired now, but she was crushing it. Uh Shauna Coxie, who has injury after injury and she comes back. Alex Puccio has injury after injury and she comes back. Mm. Uh, I also like her style because, you know, she's very strong. Yeah. Like, uh, so we we kind of have similar strengths. Uh, Megan Martin, I mean, my list, <laughs> my list can go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about Dominique Dawes. Oh, Dominique. She was probably my first hero. Oh, my goodness. I love Dominique Dawes. Uh, Who is she? As I started, she's a gymnast from the 90s, and she was just rocking it. I mean, she got 10s. I I can't remember all her accolades, but, like, she was a fantastic Olympic climber or climber gymnast for the U.S., and she was black. And, you know, as a kid, I mentioned I was a gymnast, and I didn't see a lot of, when there weren't other black, like, Olympic gymnasts. So like, I just wanted to be Dominique Dawes. <laughs> just want, I just wanted to be like her. That's awesome. <laughs> but I wasn't, and I'm not, like, brave enough to do gymnastics, so I kind of had to let that go. <laughs> do you feel like you are that in climbing? Brave? No, or like... Dominique Dawes? Yeah, for some, like, little girl out there. Well, no, I am not Dominique Dawes of climbing. <laughs> I wish I was. <laughs> You're on your way. <laughs> but um, just a couple more years of dino practice. You're, I mean, a couple you're on more your years. way. I'm on my way. Uh, but I would like to help inspire other black, uh, like people, not just like women, that like black people can climb and that we that we are can be good at climbing. We can be good at climbing outdoors, and that our body type is okay for climbing. Like you don't have to look like other climbers to be a great climber because mm. I am like I'm a small my body my frame is petite but like I am like 20 some pounds heavier than I was on chemo mm. you're muscular <laughs> and, yeah and yeah. if I don't exercise I would lose about 18 pounds right Whoa. now 
Um, and I climb just fine with the muscle weight on. Mm. And if you look at a lot of the black climbers who are out there, they're pretty thick. Like, you know, like in the climbing world. Yeah. And they're crushing it. Yeah. But so I've been told things like, oh, well, you're, you're too, you're too thick to, you know, be a sport climber. And I'm like, no, that's just like white body types often like don't pack on muscle like I do. So you should look at Kyle Leitner. Right. Exactly. He got jacked. <laughs> yeah. He's crushing harder than ever. It's just, that's just how our body goes. So there's this idea that this one body type is like the ideal climbing body type. But I think mm. it's because there is like one majority kind of race, at least on our, on our side of the world who, who climb. And so that can be put off people who don't fit that body type. Like, oh, well, I'm just too muscular. Like, too, I have too much weight to move up the wall. I want to say, no, like, use that booty. I, mean, I don't have a booty, <laughs> but <laughs> use it to get up. <laughs> Hell yes. <clears throat> That's amazing. I, I really love that about climbing. I find it fascinating that you can look at, you can look at the top climbers and there's such a spectrum. You know, I think gymnastics is is different. Like you look at, you watch Olympic gymnastics and um, it's pretty pretty common, pretty similar, right? There's like a narrower scope maybe of body types. And I would say it depends on the country. <clears throat> okay. In the U.S., we have a body type. It, you're right. It's like we, the athletes all look a certain way. But if you look at other countries, uh, maybe not the best time to mention this, but growing up, there was a big rivalry between like the U.S. gymnasts and like the Russian, like mm. Svetlana. Um, and she was long and lean. And so different countries and like in China, they're often like tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like whatever the training plan for different countries, it creates a body type. <laughs> oh, that's Yeah, that's interesting. That's probably like, true. American gymnasts are like, Jacked. They're like they're, yeah, they're like little trucks. <laughs> <laughs> little pit bulls. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> but like other truck. countries are really long and lean. Yeah. And then or some are just tiny. Hmm. So. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But yeah, I I just think it's really cool that like no matter, like I can definitely find professional climbers climbing at the highest level that are built somewhat similar to me. Yeah. And if you're super skinny and kind of gangly, like you can also find that. And if you're, you know, heavier than I am, like um, I've had some people on the show that are like pushing 200 pounds that climb at the top level, you know, like John Glasper climbed V15 this last year and he weighs 190, 195, something like that. It's like- that is cool. And it's it's amazing that climbing has such breadth, I guess. I don't know. There's so many different things you can focus on or find within climbing. You can find something that you'll excel at, like no matter how you're built. That's why I love climbing. Yeah. Something for everyone. That's cool. You just got to find it. Mm. I was actually thinking about today because Matt's body was so different than my body. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> like us talking beta and I'm like, you are like a slim six foot man. <laughs> yeah, with like very long arms for his height. <laughs> and so there's, long. <laughs> there's Fabio. <laughs> when I was like, How tall are you? Five, two and like three fourths. <laughs> three fourths? Yeah, five, two and three fourths. Okay. <laughs> I'm taking it. No, I, I know, I know, I know. I just, that's so funny. Cause it's like, that's like such a five, two person thing to say is that, you know, exact five, two and three fourths. I'm sorry, but you, you have the fraction, you know, I wonder at what height people drop the fraction. Yeah. Like, like if you're five, six, you're like, nah, I'm five, six, I'm five, six, I'm five, seven, I'm five, maybe half, you know, but they start adding it on when you get close to six feet. 
Oh, true. Yeah, true. they, they want to make that six foot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of a funny matchup today. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. Um, I'm curious about your leg thing. That's another thing that I really noticed the first day I climbed with you. You were wearing tights or leggings, whatever. And um, you had these discs on the back of your legs and you looked like Iron Man, like like Iron Man, oh, like the yeah. like the power thing in the yeah. center of his chest or whatever. And Tony like, Stark. Tony Stark, yeah. I'm like, what is that? Can you can you describe what those were and why you have the power discs, the discs of power attached <laughs> to your legs? Oh, the power discs. Uh, yeah, so those are TENS units. They're Bluetooth. Um, so they're wireless uh, and I have a remote control that I lose constantly that... that uh, <laughs> controls them and what they do is they kind of shock my leg they shock my nerves and they make my leg contract like involuntarily but constantly because i can't contract my leg muscles myself particularly like mostly my hamstrings i can't contract um and i don't have is, is this because of the disc it's because of the disc uh okay. it was from just doing too much parkour for ninja warrior okay and that's why i retired from ninja how long did you do that? Mm, it was just like a year of my life. I did I did two seasons, like two or two episodes, I guess, on the show. Um, one in, I think, 17 and 18 or 18 and 19. Sorry, my life was a blur during residency and fellowship. Mm. And I was just, like, to be able to function, I don't keep details like that in my head. Sure. I just, like, just keep going. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I don't even know what year it was. <laughs> You were you were in residency and climbing and doing Ninja Warrior all at the same time. I was. Damn. Yeah. Blur. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so I was doing a lot of parkour because that year we had heard that they're focusing more on parkour than upper body stuff, and I'm really bad at parkour, and I did too much, and I herniated my disc on both sides. Oof. And that was three. So that was three years ago, in March. That'd be three years. So I guess you could do the math. Okay. <laughs> See what year? I guess it's 2019. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's yeah. So I guess I did 18 and 19, but I was super weak from that. Like, I actually was in Waco when I think it actually happened. But I was walking. I remember like walking, trying to find I can't remember like maybe Choir Boys or something. We we're walking and I, I kind of like just fell. I was like, oh, like. This is strange. It was a different pain than my hip dislocating. I'm used to that pain. I was like, what is this pain? And suddenly I just could no longer use my legs. Wow. And then um, I that night I drove home and I was in horrible pain. Went to my chiropractor the next morning. And like we had like three steps out of our house. I took the first step and I just like flew in the air. I was like, oh, I can't. Like, cause I tried to like, like hold my weight on the step and I just went flying. Wow. Luckily I did on that parkour. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you just yell parkour when, when it happened? Yeah. So I actually like landed okay because of all the training, but I was like, I can't even like support my weight going down stairs. And it took a little bit of time to figure out because it was so extreme that like I had muscle wasting. Like my legs got really skinny that we thought I had cancer. We thought I had MS. Like we just could not imagine like what was causing this extreme amount of weakness mm. um, on both sides. But I 
I mean, we just decided that we couldn't, we ruled out everything else. We're like, well, this must be the herniated disc is causing all this. So you already knew you had the herniated discs. We knew I had a herniated disc, but the symptoms just didn't go with mm. just having a herniated disc. Got it. Okay. Uh, I mean, we knew, like, we, we got imaging and we saw that. But, like, it's like your disc, you should be able to walk or you should have feeling. Like, so I went to a doctor, uh, one of my old me like med school mentors in Cleveland. And I went for him to for an exam and he was like, do you feel this? I was like, hmm, kind of, a little bit. And then he poked me somewhere else. I was like, ow, mm. <laughs> what did you do that for? <laughs> and he's like, that's what you were supposed to feel down there. Whoa. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no wonder I can't feel footholds. So I don't, I don't have much feeling in my feet. Um, so I've been trying to reteach my brain what it means to be on. Because like I used to be able to feel, and that's how you know you're on a hold. But since I can't rely on that, I have to, I have to learn like a different feeling to say I'm on the, on the like rock. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been a, like a, a learning process. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Do you think it'll come back? Do you have any? I think so. I mean, okay. it's been three years, and it's slowly coming back because. Um, like, the like what, how does a, I don't even know this, like the herniated disc, does that just heal itself if you, if it's not so severe that you have to have surgery or do you have to have surgery or um, just kind of, like for me, because my herniated disc, my herniated disc wasn't herniated anymore, but my symptoms were getting worse. Oh. So they couldn't fix, like, they were like, well, what are we going to fix? Got it. Like, you're not herniated. We don't know why you're getting worse. Mm. Um, I had a, I found a really brilliant chiropractor who meeting him put me in the right direction of healing. Okay. So I don't know where I would be. I would be, I would be a lot worse off if I hadn't met, met him. His name is like, is Bo Hightower. He does a lot of the MMA fighters and celebrity. He's like a celebrity chiropractor, but he, he's brilliant and he helped me get on this path. So every year I get better and better. Like, so like, look at this, this mm -hmm. one year ago, couldn't do this. Wow. She's so that's probably why... just holding her leg out and just flexing her foot back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Could not do that one year ago. That would make climbing so hard. Yeah, that's why you like when people say toe down, like I can't. I literally can't do it in the air. But like, <laughs> so see, look at this. I can't do it. Well, what are you trying to do? Do that. So I'm trying to do this. Oh, but with your leg bent. With my leg bent. Can't She's trying it. to flex her foot back and forth see, with her look, leg bent. Look and it's, it slightly. It's, it's just not moving. Like, there's a small twitch. Yeah. And that's why when like for left martini and they said like go here, I'm like that's not going to work. I mm. literally can't use my leg at that angle, but Damn. I can use it here now. So it's getting better because like one year ago, couldn't do it there. Yeah. Now we're working on getting it where I can use it at different angles. So how do the power discs come power into play? Discs work. What, they, what is the actual name of them? They're a not... TENS unit, T-E-N-S okay. unit. Like, I don't know, tra transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation is probably what it stands for okay um and it just it just like shocks me that's why i scream <laughs> <laughs> if you climb with me enough you'll just hear me scream out of the blue because sometimes when i so as you can see here as i move my leg in different directions i can i have power and i can move but if i change the direction i don't have that power so if i that was one of them where was it just now i think it was like in my pants <laughs> She lost one of her power discs. Look at it though; it's it really does look like it does look Tony Stark's little 
reactor thing or what, whatever. So if I move in a weird direction where my nerves are working and then it shocks it, it's like too much. Okay. But because when I'm climbing, a lot of times my legs aren't working, it shocks it so it moves it so I can toe down. But I can't like control it. It's just <laughs> it toes down when the pattern, I use like a pattern where it's um, a crescendo. So it goes like do, 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 so like I don't really time it, but I just hope that it's at the do, 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 when I need it to be there. Does that ever happen? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because l- luckily in climbing, I'm moving slow enough that I'm on that hold for enough time that I get the whole spectrum. Okay, okay. You wait till it like really ramps up to toe down hard and do the next. I move used to or... wait, but no, because okay. sometimes what I've learned is that you don't need a hundred percent of your leg strength. So if you can, if I'm at 60 or 70%, that's often enough for me to do a move. Mm. So I don't have to wait till it's at the strongest. As long as, as long as it's doing some contraction, then it's okay. So yeah, it's, it's the most annoying thing. I have to charge them up every night. They turn off after every 60 minutes. I have to turn them all on in a correct order. If you do it in the wrong order, they don't work. Like it's... <laughs> It's a real pain. They fall off. Like on Baby Martini when I was warming up, on like the top out, they all like popped off. Like it's it's a real hassle, but there is a big difference. Like I will mm. climb something with my legs off. Cause a lot of times I forget. I'm so used to being like shocked constantly that I don't even like notice when it's on or off. It's just what I feel when I'm climbing. And so I'll, I'll forget they're off. I'll go on a climb. Like, why can't I do this move? And then I'm like, oh, your legs are off. Then I was turn Your on. Your legs are off. And then I can yeah. do the move. So there's like, as much as I, they've gotten better and I would love to not climb with them. I have to remind myself that, no, you have to go. Like, you still need them tremendously. Mm. So, it so it's like, it's like an electrical current that's causing a muscle contraction. Yep. And it's kind of in this like random pattern, but it yep. it works while you're climbing. Yep. I mean, it would be better if someone could devise a thing where someone could press a button and be like, she needs it now. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to have like a really dialed spotter that knows your project really well. Just like zap. <laughs> oh, my client partner, he'd be fantastic at that. <laughs> he would have it down. <laughs> it's got to be possible. You'd think. I looked it up when I first. It's already I, remote controlled. There's got to be a way. You should yeah. do a different like program. I need. I mean, I need someone to make one. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like, how many people want to be zapped? Like, because people use this for pain relief, so they want that constant right thing. They don't want to just be like shocked. They don't want to <laughs> hand it to someone else and be like, "You get to decide when to shock." I know. It's been one of my fears that someone who doesn't like me will find my remote control <laughs> and like turn it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh god <laughs> okay I wanted to ask you about your diet too we have to talk about that because this I didn't know about this until today and it was it was and is fascinating to me and I'm looking at a bottle right now we're sitting here in my van and it's on my counter you brought it with you of course what is it what what, what do we have sitting here with us uh, it's a meal in a bottle called Soylent a meal in a bottle called Soylent yeah it's like a playoff of Soylent Green. Okay. That movie that is like kind of beyond our generation, but they were like eating people. Okay. 
but they didn't know Ama- it. Amazing. Okay. So they made a they made a play <laughs> off of that. They called it Soylent. So I think how did this come up today? I think we were talking about the smell of something. Oh, I remember what it was. I had like this little um, pain relieving patch that I put on my leg because I'm using this really sharp knee bar. Whatever. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. But I opened the package and we're in this little cave, and I was like, Oh, whoa! Like, can you smell that? That's really a strong smell. And you're like, Nope. Can't smell it. Can't smell anything. <laughs> like, do you have COVID? <laughs> nope, don't have COVID. I've never been able to smell. I was like, whoa, like, can you taste things? And you, I think you said, no, I don't like food. I well, I said, like- I don't know, because I don't know what, <laughs> like, I wish I could see what you feel when you taste When I something. taste things, yeah, right. Because I think I can taste something, but I, since I don't like eating, I don't think I taste what you taste. <laughs> since I don't like eating. That was the thing that you said. Yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? You don't like eating. I've never met anyone. <sighs> There's a few of us like, out there. Doesn't like eating. Yeah. So anyway, I learned today that um, like a third of your diet is Soylent shakes. Yeah. How did that start? How did that come to be? That started in med school. Okay. Because I've always said my whole life, I don't want to eat. I hate eating. Despite having to, like in college, I would aim for 3,000 calories a day. Right. You're a track runner. So I had to eat so much. And I was like, well, this is so funny that like you get to eat as much as you want. And you're like trying to put on weight and you hate every second of it. Yeah. Everyone else, everyone else would be stoked. Everyone yeah. listening to this would be like, I would love to have to eat 3,000 calories a day and pack it in. I'm like, oh, that's torture. So I think I was starting up third year. So I'd finished my chemo and I was ready to go back to med school. And my friend was like, Fabia, there's something new out. And you should try it because we know you don't like eating. It's a a meal in a bottle. And that time it was so new that people were actually just living on it. Like they stopped eating and they just had like five bottles a day. And I saw their pictures and they didn't look great. (laughs) (laughs) I, was like, Ooh. <laughs> I don't really think that's the best way to go about like using this. So I use it as a supplement to make sure I get all my calories in. Okay. So it's not like a protein shake because I have protein shakes as well. Okay. Um, by by Fizzy Vantage, but this is just like a meal replacement. Got it. And back then in 2014, their bottles were new and they only had one flavor, original, which I liken it to stale Lucky Charms. But probably pretty much any stale cereal you ate as a kid. Okay. <laughs> That's what it tasted like. And it was just disgusting to me. It made me gag, made me spit up. I had to drink them all over trash cans, like in the hospital. <laughs> you like, it's lunchtime, and I'll get my bottle, and I'll get a trash can. And I was just like, drink it over there. But like, ah! Ah! <laughs> and people would say, Why? Like, why are you doing this? And I said, one day I won't have to gag and it's going to pay off. <laughs> and one day what? I didn't gag and it's paid off. <laughs> like, I was totally right. <laughs> <laughs> well, why? D- did you no longer gag because you got used to, got it, used or? to it? Okay. Yeah. And now and, they and have extra s- flavors. Okay. But I can still drink That's that great. original one without gagging. I don't enjoy it, but... And when you say it is paid off, what do you mean by that? Because now I can have two or three a day. I get to eat. I get to, I, so I'm consuming enough calories, but I don't get to physically eat eight to 1,200 of them. I get to yeah, drink Yeah, so I'm it. looking at this bottle. It's 400 calories. Yeah. And you, you drink two or three of these a day. Yeah. 800 to 1,200 calories a day of Soylent. Yes. 
and it's a win because you don't have to eat as much. Yeah. And you hate eating. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I went on a road trip recently and I purposely <laughs> brought less soylent so I would be forced to eat food. Yeah. Because I was like, we're in California. Like, I should be eating food. And I regretted it. I just like eating. I think I texted a friend, eating three meals a day, it's too much. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to eat this much. So give me... I love talk. I love asking people about food on the podcast. I actually haven't done it in a while because a lot of people say similar things. Um, but this is truly unique. I have to ask you, like, give me a breakdown of your day of eating. What does a typical typical day look like for you? I pretty much eat from when I wake up till I go to sleep, and then sometimes I wake up. Usually, I wake up in the middle of the night and eat some more or drink some more. So you have like a crazy fast metabolism. It sounds like. I, I do, but I also think I have a very tiny stomach. Okay. I get full so fast. Okay. I get, and like, I'll get full really fast to the point where I know like I'm going to get hungry like in an hour, mm. but I just can't get, I just can't eat anymore because I'm so full. So I just pretty much eat. I don't eat one big meal. Like you saw that sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's done. I finished it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I ate it over a course of like six hours. Yeah. <laughs> so I just like take a few bites and then I like do something. So I'm pretty much, for someone who doesn't eat, you won't find me without food because I pretty much eat all waking hours. And then I wake up in the middle of the night and like drink a Soylent, eat something. I, as a kid, I used to keep crackers under my pil- pillow <laughs> because like, I just could not go a whole night without Damn. consuming food. Okay, that does sound annoying. I would probably start to not like food if I <laughs> if I had to wake up in the middle of the night to survive. So, yeah, I wake up and the first thing I do is drink a Soylent because I have to take the dog for a hike every morning before I go to work. Okay. So I need, need some calories. And then I usually bring chicken or fish for lunch. And then I have like another Soylent before I leave for the day. And then I might have another Soylent while I'm training. And then I'll have dinner when I get home. And what does dinner look like? Dinner is generally baked chicken. Okay. We eat baked chicken like for 85% of our meals. Okay. And what do you what do you have with it? Anything? Any sides? Yeah, we have. We bake a sweet potato. Okay. Nothing in it. Like you just punch holes in a sweet potato. We put it in the microwave. Sweet potato and chicken. And then we have uh, arugula and spinach out of a bag. Okay. (laughs) I really love this. I want to say this because like I'm I'm talking about this with you because I think it's weird, but I love that. And I'm not judging it at all because I am very weird. I'm very weird with my food and I always feel a little bit self-conscious about it. So whenever anyone has a weird diet that's very specific... I love it. I'm fascinated (laughs) because I feel like it validates me in my entire existence. But this is like really unique, man. Like what, what's in that thing? Soy is vegan. Yeah. It was just funny because, you know, I eat pounds of meat. Well, I know that is, that is funny. Like this would make more sense if you were vegan. And I'm like, okay, this is just, you know. But like half my meal today. Is meat. Is, well, it's meat, but then vegan. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Pretty much if I'm not eating meat, then it's a vegan diet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just some soy and water. And like some <laughs> some sunflower oil, some canola oils, some cocoa powder, because it's chocolate. Okay. Yeah, and then like all your vitamins. 
some soy and some oils and some vitamins and yeah, some chocolate. Okay. There you go. A little bit some... I mean, this has uh, one gram of added sugar. Okay. That's it. That's pretty good. Yeah. What is your philosophy with diet as far as health or performance goes? You talked about, I asked this because you talked about protein many times today. You mentioned it yeah. a few times. I'm all about getting enough protein, like at least 100 grams a day. So I try to make sure that everything that and I And again, eat, you're you're 5'2". You're a small person. <laughs> yeah. So just for context for people, that's, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah, that's a good amount of protein for someone your size. Yeah. Um, that's probably like similar to how I eat relative to my size, protein-wise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just kind of like a pound. What? Gram per pound. Yeah, yeah. That's what I try to aim for at least. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I make it because it's like pounds of meat a day when I eat, when I'm eating, not drinking. <laughs> but that has 20 grams. That, yeah, that, yeah. So I get 40 to 60 just from. And you're drinking whey shakes on top of that? Um, Sometimes, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, so when I said that I'll have like a, a soylent, like at the end of the workday, that can be changed for like a protein shake. Uh, if I'm having three soylents, I'm not having a protein shake. Okay. Um, in the same day. Um, sorry, what was, why are we getting on that topic? Where protein. We? Protein. Your, your diet oh, yeah. philosophy. Oh, yeah. it's just that I just need a lot of protein. That's the number one for you? Uh, or else I feel nauseous. Oh, interesting. So that's why, like I had that protein cookie, which was awful. <laughs> but it, it lured me in because like, oh, protein. And like when I, you know, shop for bread, I'm like, well, I want the ones that has the most protein in it. And then I put, you know, nut butter and hemp seeds and an eight seed mix in it. So I can just have so much condensed protein in this sandwich. Um, but if I eat too many carbs, I feel nauseous. Mm. So if I want to eat, like Gus offered a cookie, I couldn't eat that cookie until I ate meat because I already had my carb and I have to have protein before I can intake more carbs mm. or else I'll feel sick. So it's more about mitigating feeling sick uh, than like performance. It's like, I just don't want to feel like I have to vomit because then you can't climb. Yeah. So it's heavy on protein and I need, I do need And now you're jacked. I am. I mean, I know that's probably, <laughs> probably why. And I, and I have to, I can't just have vegan. I have to have meat protein, like red meat. At least once a week. Why is that? The blood makes me feel a lot better. Mm. Don't I'm I'm not anemic. I get my blood work checked regularly. Um, when I was anemic with the cancer, I ate my way out of it. <laughs> so like I didn't take any supplements. I was like, no, it's mm. okay. I got it. We use a cast iron pan, which is helpful if you're anemic, if you're iron deficient anemic. Um, so we use a cast iron pan, and I ate a lot of steak. Mm. Uh, like my steak rare plus. Rare plus. What does rare plus mean? I learned it kind of recently. So I used to order it medium rare, but every time it was just too cooked. But rare was a little too raw. So I started saying, can you do like medium rare, rare, like in between? And I'm like, yeah, rare plus. So oh. That's what I like. It's just slightly more than rare. Like restaurants know what that means yeah. if you say rare plus. Yeah. I'm going to try that. <laughs> it's worked out a couple now. Nice. Yeah. So I've never just, heard that before. Just feeling like the actual blood like <laughs> i feel better between that comment and the eyeball thing i'm like <laughs> <laughs> so 
So I'm a pathologist. Like we, we you're not okay. We're not yeah. squeamish people. We do we do autopsies. Like you go to crime scenes, and I live in Albuquerque. The murders are horrendous. Damn. Whoa. <laughs> so yeah, not like a squeamish, not yeah. a squeamish person. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell you like murder stories too. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it's appropriate for me to ask about that. I don't know. I'm like, I'm fascinated. I'm like, I'm so curious right now. But that might be really insensitive. It probably people are be like, oh, we don't want to hear about that. <laughs> I don't know how to navigate that. <clears throat> okay, we'll we'll leave it as a teaser. Maybe we can talk about it next time. Um, diet. Anything else to talk about as far as diet goes? I mean, that's. No, I love chocolate. Okay. <clears throat> I don't drink. You don't like very many foods. This is another thing. I was like. You don't like anything? You don't like any foods? I mean... Your list of favorite foods was like... Not even favorite foods, like foods that you don't dislike was a short list. I mean, I if I could... Like if weight gaining weight wasn't like an issue, I would eat steaks and croissants and brownies every day. Okay. <laughs> Is that not a long list? You're like, yeah, that's three foods you just listed. <laughs> That sounds great. I love bread. I just love, love bread. Yeah. I do love bread. Yeah. And that's why I have to limit my bread. And that's why I get the bread with the protein in it. So at least I'm like, okay, at least I got some protein out of this bread. <laughs> uh, but I don't, I have like been at restaurants with people who love food and they'll, they'll take a bite of their food. And like, this is amazing. I'm like, Ooh, can I try? And then I'll try it. And I'm like, I mean. It's edible. <laughs> mm. Like I don't, it does not register as amazing. Mm. So I don't get the same feeling. I don't think that other people do when they, when they eat. So I would say, yeah, like I enjoy my butter croissants. I love them, but I don't think my love for butter croissants is what other people feel when they say they love food. Got it. I think it's different. Got it. That's like, I mean, that sounds kind of like a great hack for like, Maintaining great body composition, actually. <laughs> being I mean, really on top of your diet. That's like... I mean, it's not too... But the problem is, like, I just need calories. Yeah, yeah. So, it's... I mean, so if you liked food, then, like, it would be great because then... But you, but to have this problem, you can't like food. <laughs> Do you ever celebrate with food? Mm, no. Okay. But uh, my friends do... At my last birthday party... They all brought me beef jerky. Okay. Like that was instead of having like food, um, they got me packs of meat. But like personally, I never really think, oh, I had a great day. I'm going to get food. Like that's not how my. What if you sent Martini right? Uh, like I think, so what, there was like five of us in that yeah. cave today? Yeah. I think four of us would have like, if we had sent our projects would be like, sweet, I'm going to go get donuts or i'm gonna go celebrate with something you know no when i send a project i mean i feel happiness but like yeah. i don't go get food i go sit <laughs> if i go watch some tv okay <laughs> no no i don't have that association with yeah like i did something good and then i go get food yeah you're getting not... you're getting like a way smaller dopamine hit than everyone else with food yeah i mean yeah. I, I get it like i want to climb again like i think mm. like i want to do more pull-ups <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> but not from food i never even thought about that huh no. do you watch do you watch more tv or movies these uh days? tv what are you I watching right TV, now although i'm watching movies right now 
Okay. But I like TV because oh, right. the Mission characters Impossible. are drawn out and you can like follow them along for years. TV's gotten good, hasn't it? I, I feel don't like know, it's a lot of TV I watch is old. What do you watch? I mean, my favorite shows are like Beverly Hills 90210. It's 10 seasons. I get 10 years of that, of character development. Like, it's fantastic. Um, what else do I like? Oh, I mean, I like King of the Hill right now. But, I mean, I'm currently really on a Mission Impossible kick. I mean, I can't get enough of Ethan Hunt. Mm. That's the character. I would say Tom Cruise, but it's not Tom Cruise. It's Ethan Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> He really becomes those people, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's so good. Uh, <laughs> but like Gilmore Girls, like all of those shows, I rewatch all those shows from the WB like over and over again. Mm. Um, I try to space them out. Smallville, I'm just like stuck in a decade. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but I mean, I do try to watch some next book shows like you. Um, I like teen dramas. Like okay. anything that's with high schoolers killing each other. That's my jam. <laughs> that's... <laughs> my husband's like, when are you going to get tired of this? You're 34 years old. I was like, I don't know. They're going to prom. <laughs> Who's he going to ask? <laughs> and we've talked about Bri Brian, right? We've mm -hmm. talked about Brian a few times in this conversation. Uh, he's not a climber. You no, know, Brian's not a climber. He's a mountain biker. Okay. And fellow cat lover. And fellow cat lover. Okay. What do you guys like to do together? I mean, we like to take care of the cats. <laughs> when you have it so must many take animals. a lot of your time. Yeah. Right. Like, like, that sounds weird, but when you have so many cats and dogs, or right now we have a dog, but we you know we foster sometimes. And like just having that whole crew, and we usually rescue ones that are handicapped in some way. So they're not just like regular animals, they have medicines and doctor's appointments. So it's a lot like, you know, they're on a schedule. They need like injections or eye drops or pills. Like it's not just like I'm going to like put some food out and be done. It's like we feed our cats three times a day. Mm. <laughs> our dog's on a raw diet. So I have to prepare his meals every day. I have to weigh them out for the percentages to make sure the bone to meat to organ meat is all okay. Um, so that's a big part of our life is just making sure that we keep all of our cats healthy and happy and the dog. Um, so we, lo we love, I mean, we love rescuing animals. So like outside, we built shelters for the outdoor cats to have warm places to sleep and we leave them food and water because we want to make sure that they're okay. Uh, so, I mean, that takes a lot of time and stuff. We love, and Brian loves to work out. So we have a nice home gym that we do our workouts together. We have a giant TV and we watch like Wheel of Fortune. Um, oh, Young and the Restless. That's probably a show I've been watching for 29 years now. Wow. Uh, my soap opera. But no, we don't, we don't watch that together. But recently <laughs> I've been putting on Wheel of Fortune while we work out. Uh, so that's one of our main things is like staying strong and traveling. We like to travel. Travel to do different things, but we do both love traveling. <laughs> Yeah, what does that look like? That like that's actually interesting to me because it's so rare for me and probably for many people listening to this. Once you just get, you know, once climbing gets its hooks in you, I don't remember the last time I went on like a long trip that wasn't for climbing, or a long vacation that wasn't a climbing trip. You know? Yeah. So what does that look like for you guys? It's very different. A lot of the, particularly when I was in working in the hospital, I got very little. Um, vacation days. 
So then the vacations were mostly not climbing, but it would be in a destination that had like a climbing gym. So we went to London a couple of years ago and I went to, I made, I picked the hotel that was next to a bouldering gym. Mm. So that on our off time, like when he's, you know, like tired or like sleeping, like I get up earlier than him and then I will go, I can just walk to the gym and get my workout in. And then by the time I'm done, he's ready to start the vacation. So that that's one way, or I'll just, I'll just say like, I'll just take this one day to, cause we went to Panama and I was like, I just want to go climbing this one day. And then the other days we did other stuff together. So we actually, I, I've been on, I think we've been on one, we went to Squamish one year. And that was like the only like trip we've done that was dedicated to like outdoor sports. So he mountain biked that whole time. Oh yeah, that works well. You can I do climbed. both there, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think in Mexico we did a couple, we did a trip to Vegas where we did the same thing. Um, but mostly now it's just, we just go to, try to go to cool places and I, I work in climbing and now that I work part time, I can actually just kind of go on a climbing trip, like myself, because mm. I'm not limited by vacation days anymore. Mm-hmm. So I can just like I'm going to Waco for a few days, and luckily he's nice enough to be like, okay, <laughs> see you when you get back. <laughs> what does work look like for you these days? Right now, there's been a big shift because I was working in the hospital for the past five years. And in July, I stopped and because I finished fellowship. Most So I stopped practicing traditional medicine at the point where you're supposed to like start and it pays off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I did all that work to say like, you know what? Not for me. Mm. Uh, this is not the most, this is a very rare stopping point. You either stop in training because you know it's not for you and you stop then because why go through the training? Mm-hmm. Or you stop a few years into your training when you've acquired enough money to pay off your student loans. But I, after training, I said, I'm done. And I luckily had a climbing sponsor, Kinesio Tape, who was looking for someone who knew science and sports, who like knew medicine um, and bleeds in the, the tape. And so I, I was able to work out a gig with them where I work part-time as their physician on staff. Oh, cool. And I do help with research. Um, I help them understand how to get their product in the hospitals. Cause like none of them are doctors, so like I can tell them like this is how doctors think. This is mm. this is this is who you need to approach. Like in the OR room, this is who's closing, and so I can I give them tips. But they are so wonderful and nice because they give me complete flexibility to set my own schedule, and so I can climb and I can go do photo shoots and video shoots or whatever cl- my climbing work needs at a drop of a hat, or I can I can go do a TV show for a couple of months, and they're like, okay, good luck. <laughs> See when you get back. <laughs> That's great. So I work awesome. there half of the year, but it's not like six months on, six months off. We break it up. So I'm there for like two weeks. And I'm not there for two weeks. Or if I know I'm going to be gone for like a whole month, then maybe I'll work for a month and not be there for a month. And then the other part of my time is just like doing climbing gigs. So a lot of uh, photo shoots, video shoots, blogs, teaching clinics. Um, that's what my like pro climbing life kind of. Writing, like, like writing articles. When you said blogs, like writing stuff for sponsors. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and Guest right now articles. I've been shifting into public speaking. So I've been doing public speaking for various companies about oh, that's cool. being 
a woman in a, you know, an outdoor sport. So there's, it's been varied. <laughs> Is that the thing that you talk about? Uh, that's the thing they asked me to talk about. That's uh, interesting. Like you have, I mean, that's great. That's, that's an important thing to talk about, but you have such a depth of unique experience to draw from that goes yeah. so beyond that. That's, yeah. Sometimes it's being a black woman. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking cancer. I was thinking oh, but, but surviving I, cancer as I, a 20, <laughs> 24 year old, 25 year old. Sometimes, well, I usually weave it in. That's a, that's a part of who I am. And that's a part yeah. of my climbing journey. And that's a part of how I'm adapting to being outdoors. So they they don't it, it, it all it may not be like as much detail as like we go into. I I jump over. I'm like, yeah, I was sick and it was horrible. I vomited a lot, but then I recovered. <laughs> that's the cliff notes for this episode. That's this. <laughs> um, and so, but so I do touch on it, but it's a lot of like trying to motivate people to go outside and to like exercise and how to, if you're not in shape and if you're intimidated by going to the gym, like how do you do that? And that again goes to, I can go back to cancer mm. because I can say like I, when I went back to climbing, I wasn't like a person who walked off the street into a climbing gym who can climb a V0. Like I had to work for months to get back to V0. And so, like, I understand. I can understand how you can be afraid of what people are thinking about. I can understand how it can be frustrating to not be able to do the easiest thing or, like, you know, whatever sport you're in, like, to, to suck. <laughs> like, I can understand, but this is how I work through it. Mm. And so, a lot of times, it's kind of motivating people to to get off their butt and move. <laughs> mm. That's great. Um, I, I had a thought. I... I wanted. I want to ask you. I don't know how to frame this question. I'm just going to wing it. We'll see. We'll see if it works. But we've already talked about being sick and what it's like to be sick and receive comments from people and receive words of encouragement from people that feel like they don't know what they're doing. And then we also talked about what it's like to be an athlete who, or a climber in specific, who hasn't been outside much. And that just like wasn't part of their culture growing up. Are there any other things that people listening to this, climbers in general, should be thinking about more or, or, or could think about more to be more accepting, compassionate? The things that they don't think about that make them an intimidating group or a less accepting group than they could be? D does that question make sense? Mm -hmm. Does anything come to mind? I always say think about your jokes. Okay. That's probably the biggest thing. Most of the time, climbers aren't making outright, outright like mean comments. But it's kind of like, like, why are you just a low ball roof climber? Like, don't you want to climb other stuff? Like that tone, that question is like, why are you just a low ball roof climber? As if that is worse than being a like a person who climbs everything. Like, but and but they don't really mean it. Like they're not. You're not trying to be they're malicious. Not, you're not trying to be malicious. But then, like, I go, like, I would be going, oh, look at that tone. <laughs> <laughs> they were, like, making an assumption that <laughs> that what I like to do isn't as good as, like, what is acceptable. And But it's usually in joke form. Mm. And that, well, that's what makes me go home and, like, think, like, oh, 
huh. And usually in the time, I don't even like realize it. I'm like, oh yeah, like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and I was like, wait, wait a second. <laughs> so I always like, just be cautious about just about like your tone and in, in your jokes. Mm. So that's where I've found probably the most, and it's, I think it's just like misunderstanding. Like they're not trying to do it to make little digs. Yeah. But that's where I finally come from. Right. But they, they still affect you. You find yourself thinking about them later. Yeah. I mean, not so much now, mm-hmm. but like when I started, I was like, oh, but I was like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't care. And I think that's why I like don't recognize it in the moment because it doesn't really like you say it as answer your question and I go on and I don't know, it doesn't even like affect me then. But then like later I'll, I'll like I'll think about it and I'm like, oh yeah, that was a little, that was actually a dig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I hear what you're saying. I, I mean, I think you're such an, such an amazing example of this. Like something that's really interesting to me is that we like the, the, more people I meet, the more conversations I have, it's just like, we really, really can never know who someone is and what they've been through until we learn about them. Like we just never know, you know? So you might, it's so easy to put someone in a category or a box or make a judgment about them, you know, and and base that on surface value, like some observation that you're making, first impression, whatever. But you have like, you, I, I don't know, thinking about the style of climbing that you enjoy or the things that you have on your legs or um, the way that you train, whatever it is. Like there's there's like clear reasons hearing your your story for all of those things. And none of that stuff's obvious until you get to know Favia, you know? And, and everyone has those stories to some extent. They're different. They, you know, yeah. not everyone's been through cancer or whatever, but... I think it just is such, there's something I try to do and I'm not very good at it. I, I still have to practice it all the time, but <clears throat> going into every new relationship and new interaction with someone, just like assuming they've been through really hard stuff or they're going through something really hard. Even if you're wrong, it's like such a better yeah. default, you know? Yeah. I think that's kind of, that's, I mean, well, A, it's, it's kind of hard to offend me, but B, that's often how I assume people are. I'm like, oh, they were mean because they had a bad day. Mm. That's usually like my, and then like sometimes like a white person be like, no, they were mean to you because you're black. (laughs) 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 They weren't mean to me. (laughs) I'm like, oh. (laughs) So like, that's kind of how I, I go through life is that I, I, I still even because we didn't even touch on like the racism in medicine, which has been horrendous mm. and life that was life changing, like so bad um, that even after all of that, I still give people the benefit of the doubt that like they were mean because like they just had a bad day. Mm. <laughs> but I think That's it's very kind of you. <laughs> makes <laughs> It makes my life like, it makes it easier to go through life though. Mm. Like, like I don't have, I don't like sit at home and like think like, like I don't, I don't have that weight on me because I was like, Oh, they had a bad day. I keep going on. And I also have so much to do that. I don't like, I don't like sit in it. Um, but yeah, I think just 
because when I was in the hospital, I had like a first year resident and she left early. Like we had a pile of work to do and she just left. I was like, oh, I guess I'll just do her work. And I, and I told someone, I was like, yeah, like, I think she's just being overwhelmed with residency. And then like, this girl left you to do her work. <laughs> and you're over here saying that she's overwhelmed. <laughs> and then like later I talked to her and she was overwhelmed. And that's exactly, like, she didn't really like, she didn't want to leave her work. And she's a fantastic doctor. And that I means she does everything. But in that moment in time, she was just overwhelmed, overworked. She couldn't take it. Mm. And so she had to leave. And like, that was kind of like reaffirming to me. I was like, oh, yeah, see, that's why that's why you assume they're having a bad day. <laughs> yeah. Before you assume they're a bad person, just assume they're having a bad day. <laughs> and that's how I try to go through life. Until like, I mean, clearly, like, you're going to run me over like 20 times. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But I, I. I love that. I think that actually is my same life philosophy because even if you're wrong, just from like a selfish perspective, you're still going to be happier. You're still going to be better off if you maintain that assumption. You yeah. know, like, yeah, even if you're wrong, even if the person's just a total asshole and they want you to suffer in that moment, they want to take out some of their pain on you or whatever it is. I don't know. Like you can still, like you can still be kind of sad for that person instead of just bitter and angry and yeah and take that pain, you know? Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I try not to dwell on too much stuff. Just keep moving. I got mm. too much in life to do. <laughs> well, that's that's great. Let's circle back to that. So you talked about Arnold Schwarzenegger because, you know, and how inspiring he is to you because he's accomplished everything and all these different facets a poster of, of, him of life. In short shorts on my wall so I can stare at him when I hang board. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Is he flexing? Oh, yeah. I think he, yeah, he's flexing one arm because he's wearing like, it's like a, I don't know, like a sexy shoot. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like a bodybuilder. No, not like bodybuilder. Oh. He's like wearing... <laughs> no, not like that. But yeah, I think he does have like a 10 pound weight in his arm. He's like holding it in his booty shorts. Nice. That's great. And it's like from the early 80s, I think. Oh, yeah. Those are like prime years yeah. um what would you how old is arnold schwarzenegger he's in his 70s okay so f let's look at favia in her 70s uh-huh thereabouts thinking back on your life what would make you successful the way that arnold schwarzenegger is successful for you personally for favia like what are those things across different aspects or different facets of life that you would that you dream of accomplishing that would just make you look back and you're like, I've been, I've, I've done it. I've been successful across all these different things. What does that look like? Well, I don't need to be 70 because I've always said since I got cancer, I've tried to live every single day to the fullest. So I feel like now at 34, I've already lived many, many decades. I've packed so much into every single day. Like, I mean, I did doctor climbing and ninja warrior all in the same day. <laughs> Um, that I, I already feel like successful. Like I feel like I've already accomplished enough for me to look back and be like, I've, I've done it. Uh, but 
by the time, but of course, you know, I, I'm never happy, so I want to do more. So by the time I'm 70, I mean. Never content. I'm never content. You seem very happy. I'm very happy, but not content. I, I mean, climb V23. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's going to be some heinous, <laughs> fucked up roof climb It's with like really hard static moves. <laughs> so like, that would be nice. Uh, I would love to have had my own talk show. That's my main dream in life is to oh, be a really? talk show host. That's all I really want to do. On, like, on TV? On TV. With video? For, for medicine. Oh, oh, okay. Um, Because like, I'm like, as much as I hate to admit it like people ask me what I do I'm like oh I'm a climber and then they're like so like but then I'll say something like wait what oh I'm a doctor like well why didn't you say that in the first place (laughs) (laughs) and so like as much as I try my hardest to forget that like I'm a physician like I can't because that was so much I mean that's been my whole life like right that's my day in and day out was just learning medicine like in college it was like preparing to be a doctor med school becoming a doctor then practicing medicine uh, so I don't want to lose all that knowledge. I want to help other people. So, but I want to do it on TV. <laughs> what would that look like? Would you be interviewing people? I would be interviewing people. I mean, it'd be kind of like Dr. Oz, but instead of just trying to sell what my friends are making that are quacks, <laughs> I would try to actually guide people in the correct direction. So it would be a little bit like my clinic, but mm. instead of having it one-on-one, you could bring your... I mean, of course, it'd be, you know, you'd sign a waiver and that we can talk about your health, your health problems on TV, but like we could go through your path report and I could help more people at one time mm. understand their path report or understand like whatever medical questions they're having. I want to be able to answer that, but in like a fun TV show mm. manner. So that would be my TV part. If you're going by the Arnold plan. So that would mean after I finished the TV, I'd go into politics. Mm-hmm. Does that appeal to you at all, actually, or is that just... Does not real... Mm, I won't... Um, that's a hard question. Okay. Because I have kept... Like, I have the good pedigree, of course, to, like, if I was a white man and you look at my schooling, you'd be like, oh, this is, like, what the presidents do. <laughs> like, you know... Do you want to become president? Well, if I was going to do a politician like why wouldn't you be president because i you know i don't think of anything like aiming to do anything second best <laughs> yes i love it <laughs> so like if you were gonna be a politician if, if i'm gonna consider politics i'm obviously gunning for president yeah. <laughs> um so and i i honestly i mean i don't know i've never really dreamed of like look, a lot of people in undergrad like you go there you can tell like they're going to be a politician like you can tell who the politicians are mm. um and that was never my thing but i mean if i were i would be i would try to go to, for president and i like currently I mean, i'm on boards right now i'm like I'm, I'm vp of the new mexico harvard club um i've always done board positions because i like that type of thing um, even though it's like volunteer. So I don't, th- I think I would, and I'm de- decisive. I love making decisions. <laughs> you do? Yeah. Wow. What's that like? <laughs> it's great, actually. Because you know what? I make a decision and I don't even like, I don't ever really regret them. Like I never think of what if. Mm. That's what I'm say. I never make a decision and then go back and say what if. Like what if I had done that instead? 
because sometimes when I'm talking with people, they'll ask, well, what if you had done that? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I never thought about that because it didn't mm. happen. Like, why would I think about something that happened in the past that I can't change when I have stuff to do now? So I don't really, like, I make a decision and then I made that decision. Whether it was right or wrong, it's done. And then I have to keep going forward with that. So, but no, I don't really plan on being president. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll be happy with B23 at TV show B23. <laughs> so we got the sports thing. TV shows. <laughs> president. Then, of course, I would have and a house full of animals. You're, well, you're already, you're, already, you're doing already doing that. Yeah. What, um, if you could have any animal in your house, if you could rescue any animal, and don't worry about the logistics. Like, if you need a pool in your backyard to have a whale or whatever, like, we'll take care of it. Just assume that, like, somehow it would work. What animal would you have? Bear. A bear, okay. Yeah, without a doubt. What kind of bear? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, panda bears are really cute, but probably, what, a black bear? Sure. Yeah, a black bear. Okay. Yeah, they're cute. They're big, and they eat ice cream. They do? I mean, so I follow, I mean, I know, it's not ethical, like, this is not, like, great, like, you shouldn't have a... You shouldn't feed your pet bear you well, ice cream. You probably shouldn't have a pet bear. <laughs> but if you happen to have one, people do... They do eat ice cream. <laughs> they hold the cone like we do, and they lick it like we do. It's fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. That's a great image. Uh, <laughs> I've been secretly hoping a raccoon will break into our house. <laughs> Why is that? They're they're so cute. They are with those little grubby paws and yeah, the, they can do the so much. Yeah. Um, but right now we try to only keep domesticated animals that need homes because there's so many that do. So we, we try to, we're always at like mass capacity. Like if one dies, we get another one. I mean, wow. we, we missed the one that died, but I see it as we have space and the money to take care of, you know, a lot of animals. And so we should always fulfill our du duty to do that. Mm. So I want to try to rescue as many animals as I possibly can before I die, which is hopefully, like, not soon. Yeah. <laughs> you're one of those people. You're like, you had it kind of rough in your 20s, cancer, like, kind of, you know, and you're just going to live to, like, 100, I think. You're like, <laughs> that's what I think is going to happen. I like to say I'm a cockroach. <laughs> like, you just can't kill me. Like, nature has tried so many times. Yeah. And I'm still here. <laughs> what about kids oh what about kids uh so my husband um brian really wants a kid so we went through ivf so we were on this road of ivf for the past few years what is ivf um well in, in vitro yeah fertilization okay. yeah because uh i the chemo affected my heart, so it would be dangerous for me to carry a baby. Okay. And I also just think with my connective tissue disorder, my pelvis is already in the wrong direction. Like, it would just be too hard on me. Even if my heart didn't give out, then, like, physically, I don't know how my pelvis would do. So we've been going through IVF to extract my eggs, and, like, we... They injected Brian's sperm into my eggs and made little, little embryos. And so we have like little frozen babies. We found a wonderful surrogate. And this past, Jan just past December, we implanted an embryo 
But at around like seven or eight weeks pregnant, she miscarried. Mm. Um, that was just, uh, well, she just finished her miscarriage like a couple of weeks ago. And so now we're on our road to try. We only have one, we only had two good embryos. So we started with thir- 11 or 13 eggs. And then they got whittled down to basically two good ones. So we have one more chance. And then if that doesn't work, we go back through IVF mm. to get more eggs out. And then we start the whole process over again. Damn. So we're trying. <laughs> yeah. Trying to have a little one, but hasn't happened yet. Man. Wow. Yeah. The repercussions of cancer is like forever. Yeah. Like you think it's not just like, oh, you got through it. It's like, oh, well now. Like, and so it just plays out in so many different ways. Yeah. It's just. Hmm. So, but we have four babies. And when people ask if I have kids, I answer how many cats I have and dogs. <laughs> <laughs> how many pounds each of them weigh. <laughs> and how your training's going. <laughs> What's next for you, Fabia? What are you excited about right now? I mean, learning how to dino. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what's next. Okay. I know it's what's been in the past, but it's also what's in the future. Do you work on that every day? Every, um, every not, climbing day? Not every climbing day, um, but most. Okay. Because some climbing days are mostly, like some days are just really heavy on fingers and like weightlifting. Um, but most climbing days are about uh, dinos. Although I... Recently found a new project near my house that has no dinos in it, and I'm really stoked. It was a little bit out of my grade range before. Was, I don't think that's why I didn't look at V13s. Oh, um, before, nice. so I found a V13, and it's it's an extension of a V11 I already did. Okay. Um, and what's the name of it? Uh, putting you on the spot with these names. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, so the name is Tipping Point. Okay. It was like V. It was great at V fourteen, and then like maybe downgrade to V thirteen, but I'm actually doing a different variation. Okay. So tipping point has a, has a start that I've never done the V thirteen start, and it goes to this rail, this jug, and you can choose two directions. Most people choose to go into power ratchet, which is a V eleven that's vertical and tall, or but that that same start hold is a V eleven traverse that I've done. Whoa. And so so it doesn't I don't I haven't heard of anyone doing this yet. So I don't know of a name. That's why well, I don't know a name. Yeah, okay. That's sick. Um, cuz I'm like, well, why would I choose to I mean, I see why other people are like cuz this start is really low. So you're starting like a foot off the ground and then I would never get more than a few feet off the ground until I top it out on a V0. <laughs> Perfect. And they're like, "Why would you want to do like 40 moves?" <laughs> One foot off the ground. I'm like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> um, so, and I never thought about doing that entrance to this thing that I can already do. Um, and so I just started working it. I'm like a couple of sessions in. I am too short for traditional beta. Mm. Like there's tall beta, can't do it. Then there's regular beta, can't do it. So I'm going to have to do a little bit of a workaround. But it's not I can't do it because I can't dyno. Mm. Which is way easier for me to figure out, so I'm I'm excited. So I don't know my my I I'll, I hope I don't lose sight of my like dino goals. Getting obsessed with these five moves I need to work out. 
I have a feeling you won't. I think I think you're you've got the drive. You're hungry. You keep working on the dino. I really, I do. I really, really want a dino because I still have that original project that started Mm. this whole thing. But yeah, now I'm I'm excited about. uh, I don't know whatever this tipping variation, tipping point variation. That's awesome. Do you think? um, Are there other holds to use? Do you feel like there's a good chance you'll be able to? Find a way, like find a workaround. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I just have to get stronger because um, I worked out the first couple moves and sure, I'm spanned out completely, but I can reach it. But there is a point where you're in the roof and you're going to the lip and you bump your hand past this very tiny crimp to a like, I don't know, five, six millimeter crimp. Not great. With from a tiny crimp yeah. to a six mil crimp, <laughs> maybe seven, but yeah, okay. Small. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I can't. I physically can't reach that mm. better crimp. So off that better crimp, you cut your feet, and then you like on the six mil thing. Yeah, but you have okay. a, you actually. So you move to an underclean. So you have a pretty. Okay. I mean, it's really awful. It's really. I mean, like remember, like this V thirteen. This V thirteen. Yeah. And it's, it's adding on. Like it's not a long thing. So it's like. Heinous moves. Okay. Um, and there's like in these six moves you have to do to get to your V11 exit. Um, so you usually cut feet and then you squeeze on like no feet <laughs> to go to like this nothing. Per- this climb's perfect for you. <laughs> <laughs> but then from there you bump to well you bump to a, a crappier crimp and then you bump to a better crimp. But I also can't reach that better crimp, so I have to use that crappier crimp to go to the jug. Um, so I just have to get my, so pretty much my limitations that from the feet that are available, I can't reach the good crimp that people cut their feet on. Mm. I'm just going to have to cut my feet because I can reach crimps. I can reach holes. I cut my feet on the smaller ones. Mm. So it's just going to be a little harder because I just can't, I have to do the same movement on worse holes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) But again, no dinos. That, yeah. that would require just more hangboarding, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What are your favorite things to do on the hangboard? Uh, I mean, probably my favorite would be to do weighted pull-ups. Oh, okay. You don't do that too often, though. There was a phase on where... On jugs, or do you do no, that on... on the 20... You, you do that on, on the, cramps or edges. On the edges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love that, because I feel like it's everything. Like Interesting. Finger workout, yeah. pull workout, weights... Yeah. It's everything I love all at once. <laughs> nice. But I don't get to do those too often. Mostly I do one arm hangs. Okay. And okay. one arm hangs. It's a kind of max hang style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, yes, yeah, just mostly one arm hangs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now that you're not focusing on weighted pull-ups, you mentioned that you're still doing weightlifting. What are the things that you're focusing on that that are helping you in your climbing or in this dead pointing or, or dynoing project, what kind of weightlifting is helping you? Well, for my arms, I do bench press for my chest because I cut my pecs for for the cancer. And so I do bench press to keep that strong. Who can bench more, you or Brian? Oh, Brian, (laughs) without a doubt. (laughs) Brian's really, really strong. Okay. (laughs) It's just a shame he won't use his power for climbing. (laughs) Ryan, <laughs> come to the dark side. But, you know, before I used to have, we used to bench press and track and I just wanted to do body weight. 
in track. Like, that was my goal. And I worked, I mean, like I was working really hard to get to that. And now, you know, I'm way past body weight. So with even with my surgeries, my pecs are stronger than they were. That's awesome. Um, pre-surgery. And I think that's about it for my arms. I do deadlifts, but not traditional deadlifts. I do Romanian deadlifts, which is okay. one leg. And I do I do traditional deadlifts with a band and not weights because of my herniated disc. Mm-hmm. We don't want to compress it. Mm-hmm. And I have so many hours of rehab for my herniated disc because we have been... And my one of my chiropractors, he thinks this is all intertwined with cancer. So he's like, yes, you had an injury, the herniated disc that made your legs weak, but your body wasn't working right before that. And so now you just, you compound it. Like you took a body that wasn't working and then you gave it a devastating injury. Mm. And now you have to relearn how to do everything. And... That's what I've been doing. I've been trying to relearn how to use my abs. So I've been relearning how to like walk upstairs. And we do a ton of lifting just to get my legs stronger. But it's actually not leg exercises. It's like a lot of like, well, it's like hip thrusts, uh, one leg hip thrusts, a lot of core, a lot of deep, deep core. But not just like doing core to like get your abs strong. It's like doing core in a certain way to make sure that it's using my pelvis right Mm -hmm. and that has made like the biggest difference for me is just i use bands constantly and just like thrust in my hips Mm. (laughs) (laughs) there you go bands are wonderful nice Uh, that's about i think that's about it okay yeah so it's a bench and deadlift and like thrusting stuff <laughs> and one arm hangs. Uh, I, mean, have... yeah, I mean, we do weighted, like, I do a lot of abs on the bar. Okay. Like a lot of, but like, I don't like consider that weightlifting. Like leg lifts or? Yeah. Like, leg lifts. Leg lifts, front wipe, lovers, wipers. a ton of front lovers. Okay. Because, um, like, front lovers are key. For me being a short climber, mm. I need to be able to cut my feet and put my toe on really far away. Mm. Um, yeah. So you will actually see me if I'm climbing with someone a lot taller, I will get to a foot a lot easier that's far away than they will because they, I mean, they can just reach it. But I have been practicing like my front lovers so I can just cut feet, put a foot on. No mm. problem. Um, so a lot of it's focused around that. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't think I've, I don't think I really was decided whether front lovers were good a good training exercise for climbing, but for low ball roof climbing. If you're going to be a roof climber, yeah. front lovers, I mean, I mean, I think no matter your height, they are super useful. Mm. Yes. You need to do them. Do you have any tips for someone who can't do them, but wants to work up to being able to do them? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I have posts about that. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> yeah. I do. Um, and if not, I can make one, but I'm pretty sure. On Instagram? On Instagram or on Melanin Basecamp, I do a lot of training advice on there. Say that again. A Melanin Basecamp. Okay. Have you heard of them? No. So it is a so. site for people of color who do outdoor sports. Okay. And they have, I've been like one of the original bloggers. I think I joined in 2017. Nice. Um, and so I've been writing since then. And so I have a bunch of training uh, articles on there on how to, and it'll, I have to say, like, most of them are about abs. (laughs) (laughs) 
Is it just laughing? Is it just jokes? <laughs> that should that should just be one. My whole post is laugh. <laughs> and really cough. Corny and jokes. cough sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, but yeah, I would say it's hard to describe. But yeah, you can check out my content, and there will definitely be uh, exercises on how to work out. I mean, I I do a lot of progressions to one arm pull ups, progressions to front lovers. Oh, perfect. Um, so that people can learn how to get there. Because, I mean, you're pretty, no one's, like, born doing that, generally. Mm. Like, I had to progress. Um, I mean, I think I did do a front lever the first time I tried, but. But there's definitely a good progression where you kind of start in a ball and then you slowly work your way out until you have your legs straight. <laughs> okay, cool. And that's, yeah, that stuff definitely does work. I've. I've worked on that stuff myself and seen good benefit from that. Um, on that note, I will definitely link to your Instagram and to your blog. You and I can talk after and, and find resources for people. Um, but where can people connect with you and find you on the interwebs? Instagram is the best place for me. Um, better than text. <laughs> <laughs> I think because... At work, you know, I could get text messages, but no one at work was sending me Instagram messages. So I have like, like, like Pavlov's dog, like, I'm like, ooh, I got Instagram message always. It can't be work. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I will respond. Okay. It's perfect. <laughs> on, on the Instagram. <laughs> it's perfect. We don't have to give away your cell phone number. That's, that's probably <laughs> for the best anyway. <clears throat> well, this has been awesome. Thank you. It's been fun. Yeah. Really fun to hang out with you and climb in Waco. And um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for being so open and and forthcoming and just sharing your journey. It's inspiring. It's really, really helpful, really insightful. And, and just, I don't know, I, I can't relate to it. And I find that really interesting. And it, I've just, there's so many things from our conversation that I'm going to keep with me either to use in the future for myself or for a loved one who gets sick or, you know, goes through hard times because that's just something we don't learn about, you know, we're we're not taught that and we're all just kind of fumbling our way through it. But, um, but everyone's different. mm. That's the problem is that like what I want it is different than what other people want it. Yeah. And so you're going to have to like figure it out and just understand that they're sick and it's not personal against you. Like if you do it wrong and they get mad, I mean, they're having a bad day. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> they're having probably a bad year. Yeah. So like, be, be be gentle. But if you're a caretaker, you have to remember to take care of yourself. Like you can't take care of a sick person 24 mm. seven. You have to go do something you enjoy. Like they'll be okay for three hours while you go do whatever you like to do. If it's mountain bike or just look at the stars, like go do that. So I like to tell people that because I think people feel bad or guilty leaving their sick person right. for a few hours even. But you have to keep yourself healthy or else you can't take care of them. Mm, that's great. Um, is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up here? Anything else? It doesn't have to be related to that, to, to sickness or cancer. Or it can be tr- training, climbing, anything, anything that you want to put out there for people just try some low ball roofs they're fun (laughs) (laughs) that's it perfect well thank you again um best of luck back on that project i can't wait to hear how it goes (laughs) me too
And if you decide for, to run for president, I will definitely vote for you. You'll be eligible in like another year. So... Oh my there. goodness gracious. I can't imagine. But there would be like climbing days for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> National climbing day. It happens every week. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Fabio. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. We'll call that good. That was awesome. Good. I hope you would have come to Hey friends, before you go, don't forget to check out Chalk Cartel. If you need to refill your chalk bag, head over to chalkcartel.com to re-up on my personal favorite high-performance climbing chalk and use code NUGGET for 20% off your next order. It even comes in a five-gallon bucket so you can save big and literally chalk up to your elbows. Also be sure to check out Fizzy Vantage. Favia mentioned their whey protein powder in this episode. They also make a plant-based protein powder for you plant-based athletes out there. And my personal favorite product is their supercharged collagen. I take one to two scoops per day, try to take it before my finger training whenever I can, and it really helps. Head over to fizzyvantage.com and use code NUGGET15 at checkout to save 15% off your next order. And finally, be sure to check out the Crimped app. That's C-R-I-M-P-D, all one word. The app is available on iOS and Android. If you are a self-coached climber and want to see how world-class coaches program specific workouts, check it out. You can check it out for free. The Crimped app makes it super easy to follow along with videos. There's built-in timers. It makes it super easy. It's just awesome. Training on your own has never been easier. And that is it, my friends. Thank you again to Favia for a great conversation. And thanks to all of you for listening. You can find links to Favia's Instagram and her training articles and all of her favorite movies and shows that we talked about all in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com. There's a direct link right there in your podcast app. I hope you guys have an amazing week. I appreciate you very much. Thanks again for listening. And we will see you next time. Like we do it.